Six-pack Lapidat, uh, thanks for tuning in once again. Today we got quads like Rob himself, Rob Philippus, who was an absolute monster, giving up for the showdown meet. And I want to give you a quick reminder, uh, make sure you dive into the archives on this podcast because sometimes we get some DMs on the Instagram for King of Lifts asking for you know, whether it be whoever, man, um, from Steffi Cohen to John Hack, I mean, we, we're going to have them all back on again, but I'm not entirely sure everybody realizes we have had these people on multiple times already, so do scroll or just Google King of Lifts podcast and then whoever your favorite lifter is, I guarantee you it, you're going to see the episode pop up. And it's available on every single platform you want. We've been doing this for four years. We got some archives dating way back. Um, So even some of your favorites from yesteryear have probably been on the podcast. And there's an episode, them telling their story. And some of these people got phenomenal stories, let me tell you. So yeah, give a straight up give a Google search, Kingless Podcast with your favorite lifter's name. If you don't want to have to scroll forever, because I know we got tons of episodes. And it'll pop up for you. And with that, oh, and subscribe, give us a like, and uh, yeah, please do put this in your Instagram stories so we could repost. And it gives the lifters a little shine, it gives us a little shine. But no further ado, let's get into the podcast. How you been? How, how have you been doing with this whole, like the COVID, the lockdown, and everything like that? It's been crazy. Uh, you know, where I work, I have to wear a mask. I'm in food, food manufacturing, so... Okay. You know, I wear masks eight, nine, ten hours a day. It's, it's pretty crazy. Both. So you 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 do that no matter what, like no right. COVID or no COVID. That's that's your day to day life. Oh no no, we would not wear the mask. No. Oh, the mask okay is okay. Additional. You'd wear PPE like a beard covering and a hairnet, you know yeah. that kind of thing. But the mask is an an addition to what PPE you wear before. And how does that feel when you wear it for so damn long? It's just. It sucks, man. You get, is it you annoying? Get, it's, just, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. All of it. It kind of is. But, and in terms of um, like still training and whatnot, you were able to do so? Yeah, I, I built a, you know, I just, I put together my, my home gym in, in the garage in Illinois before I moved out here. And I was yeah. able to keep doing the training just as, as normal for the most part, minus like cable machines, right? Yeah. Everything turned to band work and barbell or dumbbell. And do you, do you have dumbbells as well? You got like, like. Up to 75s. Okay. Oh, so you got a whole set. So I have, um, I mean, I got barbell. I got uh, like obviously the squat rack and whatnot, a couple benches. I got a seat that I could sit in, but I got the dumbbell that you have to like load up yourself. And it's a bit, it's Olympic, like, like the uh, diameter in the middle is Olympic. But my man, when you're loading up, like if you want to do pressing, like flat pressing with like a hundred pounds, you are, or shrugs or some shit. It's yeah. a bit of a pain in the ass. Now this is like some first world problems. I understand if people are listening. Sure. Some people are like, dude, I don't have any of this. So stop. Yeah, I'm not doing any dumbbell pressing. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude, you'd be there that's all day. Rows. That, that, that little barbell, that little one where you had weight, that's just for bros for me. I'm not putting that over my face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Oh yeah. Well, there's another thing too, where I just have a clip on it and it's not like at the gym where it's literally welded in place. This thing is, it moved, the clip moves. You see the clip yeah. move. So yeah. when you're putting that over your face, you're like, well, this is a sign if you are the righteous. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if it's my time, it's my time. <laughs> if it's my time, that's right. This beak is going well or it's not. Let's see what yeah. happens. 
But um, and, and are you able to train with people? Yeah, I had a buddy of mine that, that was coming over to train with. You know, uh, he actually was um, not into powerlifting, was more of a bodybuilder, but he came over and he'd help. And my, then I'm also my son. I was training with my son. How old's your son? 15. Oh, okay, see, there you go, man. That's old enough to start hitting some weights. Yeah. Is he, is he into weightlifting? Like, what sports is your son into? He wrestles is the only sport he really does. Oh, shit. Well, strength yeah. is kind of a good a good variable to have in your corner oh, when yeah. you're wrestling, right? I don't think it's ever a weakness or, you no. know. Uh, you know, it's never going to be something that is, is going to hurt you, right? So, and, and there it is. Like, I, um, so I'm in Canada, just a little south of Toronto. And in Toronto, like, it's fucking crazy hockey nation, right? And I was brought in as, like, a strength, in, like, part of the strength and conditioning program for weightlifting. And they had hockey players. And when I went in there, these fellas, like, you got some pretty big boys. Like, some hockey players can be, like, six foot three, 220 pounds. Now, these guys were not in the NHL. They were like aspiring to get into the OHL, which is the Ontario Hockey League, which is the immediate feeder into, um, you know, you start getting signed to, o, to NHL teams and working sure. in the farm system. And some of these fellows were big, like big dudes. And in hockey, it's full contact. You've seen, you lay yeah. dudes out in it's it. It's a real sport. It's a real sport, my friend. Okay, it's no patty cake stuff. And um, it right down into, it's the only sport I know where it's literally like fighting is allowed. Yeah. Fighting. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you have a fighter on your on your roster just in case you got some funny business to take care of. Like it's it's wild. Where it's like, pause the game. My guy's gonna fight your guy. We're gonna settle a couple beats. It's that's part of the game, right? It's, it's wild. Badass. Dude, that's so like when you explain that to some people, like how is this possible? Oh yeah, on the ice, you get knocked out and maybe hit the ice. Um, so there was a, a girl I was seeing at the time was like squatting like in the three hundreds. And when I showed up, first we were going to do some strength testing. And these fellas didn't even know how to squat properly. They're just big, but they weren't like, like they could, didn't have the mechanics to squat properly. So I'm like, let's, let's see what you guys got. Let me just see what I'm working with. A, didn't know how to squat properly. B, we're like, I can't get depth though. I don't have the uh, flexibility. And, and then I can't get my arms my, behind my back for a low bar squat. And I'm like, my friends. And then they were hitting like whatever weights they're hitting. I'm like, listen, man. You're a six foot three, 220 pound dude, and my girl's out squatting you. That's not, that ain't, that ain't it. We got, we got to. It doesn't add up. No, it's not adding up. And then, um, and they're like, yeah, and these, these kids, I say kids, they're like 17, 18, because they're getting ready to go, like, try to make it. And I'm like, man, I am literally 20 years older than you, man. And I could get my arms, I could hit depth and get my arms behind my back for a low bar squat. Yes. Yes, you can. You're just not doing it. So we have some major, we have some major mobility issues and strength issues going on. And it's, it's wild how, just like you said, um, strength is never an issue. So these guys got a lot stronger and it was with everything else they're doing for conditioning, obviously tons of on the ice work, um, tons of like, you know, doing the the suicide where you're running back. Yeah, exactly. Box jumps, doing explosive work, but the strength aspect and component when, um, you know, the more you tax your nervous system, like the bone is like a honeycomb and for it to get thicker, the honeycomb, just little micro fractures over and over, make it a little thicker, a little thicker, a little, same with the ligament, right. a little stronger, a little stronger. You're doing a full contact sport. It, you'll never go wrong with having thick, strong muscles and thick bones and your nervous system's primed to shift some weight. That's never you know, going to be an issue. Is with load bearing. Right. 
no, little bear movements. And, and some people, that's why when some people talk to me, they're like, I do, uh, you know, mostly like body weight stuff, push-ups and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're only going to get so far with some shit like that, man. You know, if you want to do the Bruce Lee. Well, you're, you're not going to strengthen bone. You're right. Right. Or, or, or add a certain amount of muscle mass. Yeah. Yeah. You're, not, you're only going to get to a certain point. You're going to look like Bruce Lee. Who, who, at who, best. At, <laughs> at best. Probably not as chiseled, but the same muscle mass, which isn't a shitload. Because yeah. he was like 130 pounds. So could I. Okay. Yeah, he's a little guy. Badass, little guy. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not trying to fight the guy, but I'm just, but, but yeah, there was an issue there. But, um, but yeah, you could see where, especially with something like wrestling. Did you used to wrestle when you were younger? Yeah, I wrestled through two years of co college, so collegiate. Oh, so you must have wrestled before that as well, or did you just hop in there? I started at freshman year of high school. Okay. So I grew up in Florida, but they, it wasn't like a little league sport. It wasn't popular where I grew up. I didn't really didn't know what wrestling was. I thought it was the stuff you see on TV. Boy, and I was a tackle on JV my freshman year, and my yeah. guard was like, hey, you should come out for wrestling. I was like, what do you mean? What's, like, on TV? And, you know, and he's like, and then, he's, <laughs> then, he, then he told me about a singlet. I was like, wait a minute. You roll around on the mat in tights with another guy? Dude, you know what I would love? If you still thought it was, like, WWE, and you show up with a singlet, one strapped down like Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Be hilarious. <laughs> but um, so were you big at the time? Were you a big kid? I was 240 as a freshman going into high school at 5'8". So I was a chubby kid. But that's still absolutely massive. Yeah, I was still pretty big. I that's 100. I, think yeah. I, started, I started playing football in middle school. I think I played third and fourth grade a little bit. I didn't play fifth. I played football in middle school. Didn't know anything about wrestling until high school. And then in high school, I did um, football, wrestling, and, and then uh uh, weightlifting they didn't call it powerlifting they call it weightlifting but it's a clean and jerk and bench so you okay so this this is for, for anyone listening internationally to a 240s around 109 kilo so you were massive you were a big thick kid yeah um, so coming I up 215s all four years of high school and i had to cut the my first year i guess i kind of cut every year i i played football around 230 240 and i'd wrestle 215 for wrestling so when you were coming, how big was football in Florida? Like I've had people on, I've, I've seen movies, not just people that came on, but football in some states, in Southern states, like Alabama is like a religion. It, it, you it don't is. mess around. You don't cross. If your family roots for one team, you don't talk about the other yeah. team. Sunday, everything is dead done. You are watching the game. It's like, there'll be a hundred thousand people in the stadium, another hundred thousand people outside of the stadium, just, chilling like it's 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 everything it's it's hard to explain how big it is how big is was it when you were growing up where it, you it's going? about like that i didn't grow up in a household that was fanatics but the you know, the community you live in you know the the mindset if you can walk you play you put on pads and you play football like that's how little they start there that's insane and, right yeah so every every weekend is football every weekend it's um because i i talking to some of these guys they were like i was like so everyone played football and they were they said Essentially, if you were athletic and you, you were an athletic man and, or, or an athletic teen, I should say, or a kid, they, and you didn't play football, they'd be like, why? What's up? Are, are you injured? Are you like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't play? They, they need an explanation. It's like if you're six foot seven and you didn't play basketball and people are right. like, I need, I need an explanation. There, there, there has to be. There's it's like, be that's something a, here. <laughs> right. There's got to be something here. What's up? What's going on here? Right. But, um, so at the time, too, like, how old are you? I'm 38. 
Okay, loaded question because I knew how old you were, but that's for the yeah, listeners. So, because yeah, so, I already knew coming in, but, uh, but just for, for people in terms of timeline listening, when you were a kid, they didn't know, because like, I'm three years older than you, but around the same generation, we didn't know what we knew now about like CTE and concussions with football. That movie with Will Smith was like, holy smokes, blew my mind. And I didn't play football, but I have buddies who did. And I remember I had buddies who like got concussions laid out in the game, sat out for a little while, sat out, sit out a little yeah. Ross, you'll, you'll be better later and maybe put them in before the game's out yeah. or just crazy shit. Like they didn't have concussion protocols at all. No. Uh, so I've had at least two concussions. I, I can remember because I, re I don't remember being at the practice. <laughs> so like one time me and my buddy my buddy as a sophomore was um he was a senior that year he was two head, two years ahead of me and he was a little bit smaller than me but he was like he was a starting linebacker you know he was a badass and we thought it'd be really cool to line up on a kickoff drill and a receiving drill and just hit each other like run full speed and hit each other the rest of practice we were trying to ask coach hey coach can we go home are we supposed to be here like we were so out of it man he, he, he we we're so out of it he actually benched us and this is the same coach that I broke my hand the, the year before, and he made me do wind sprints. And my <laughs> hand was the size of a softball. And I'm not exaggerating, like literally the size of a grapefruit. And he still had me, my consolation was I took off my shoulder pads and, and I still had to do wind sprints. Jesus, man. Yeah. And this is so, just to toughen you or? He was just, he didn't give out, he didn't give out gratitude very, very easily or recognition very easy, easily. And uh, you know, uh, you had to prove yourself for that coach. And it was a, it was all in, all in. Everybody there, only strongest is the weakest link mentality. You know. Yeah, yeah. It is. Um, and when you like go head to head, and and sometimes it is a head to head collision when it comes to these football skirmishes and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. You you can get for sure get concussed. It's funny when you're younger, you have no, you can't wrap your head around the fact that like your body is just a vessel. You're a meat package walking around with with a with with a hard drive inside the head. And when you damage it, it just gets damaged. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. kids, there's not much we can do. Be careful for God's sake. But when you're young, you have no concept of that. And when you were in the 90s and early 2000s, coaches didn't fully understand. They just thought like, you're, you know, you're getting tougher or whatever. They don't realize like, you got to be careful out there. Yeah, they didn't have any connection to long-term effects. And it, it really was like, you know, if you can walk, you know, the, and you walk it off if you can walk it off and catch your breath you're not hurt and his question was are you hurt or are you injured you know you yeah. can walk off something that hurts you cannot walk off something that's injured because you can't physically walk it uh i remember that saying too which is freaking crazy that you said that it's true are you hurt or are you injured and that's essentially let's be honest the coach putting you on the spot are you are you tough or are you a pussy you know what I mean? You're like, how am I supposed to answer that? You, you know, you're putting me on the spot. I don't want to let you down. You're like a father figure type deal for me. For, for when it comes to boys, and maybe it's this way for girls too, but for sure for boys, we collect father figures. We, oh, yeah. we, we coaches, mentors. Yeah. Um, even if you have a father in your life, it doesn't matter. It's already been proven. They've, they've they say statistically, like you, you have to have one to be successful. Right outside of your real father, outside your real dad, yeah, you're yeah. gonna have somebody you look up to that you can push you harder than your parent. I'm kind of at that point now with my boy, like he's at the point where like he needs that coach where or that you know that college kid or something, you know, because you know sometimes we'll get that that's father or something, and it's it's not it's 
it's a difficulty to separate father, son and coach and athlete. Right. You know, Do you, is yeah. that what it is? I was just about to ask you, like, because um, some people are like, oh, yeah, a lot of people grew up with their fathers. I'm like, no, that's not it. it. And it's nothing to do with your father's not hands on or whatever. It's actually they were said I've, I've, I read a lot about sports psychology. OK, I love this kind of stuff. And actually, they said kind of like you were saying, it's actually healthy to have a separation at times because a father's obviously a father's love has to be like a mother has to be unconditional. It has to be almost, you almost can't be too critical because as a father, the biologic father, if you say certain things just in the coaching vein, it can be like critical is tough to walk away with because you'll hang on to it when your dad says it. But if your coach says it, you're not going to hang on to it when you're 40, but when your dad says it, bet your ass, your dad, if your dad ever pulled you aside and said, you didn't give me enough. You really choked today. And here's, you know, the tough love. That shit you don't leave when it's your dad. When it's your coach, for some reason, when it comes from your coach, you're like, that's what I needed. You know, it just, it's just different. It's actually healthy. It's actually, uh, it doesn't say anything about the father. It actually is, like you said, you actually need it. You need a separation where you need someone else to come in and be like, you're, it's almost a good cop, bad cop, my friend. We're, you know, we're going to, we're going to. It's a whole, it takes a community to kind of raise a man or a child, right? Right. Like you need those challenging figures where the, it will cause them to step up rather than get their feelings hurt. Right. right. And, there, and I do think there is something to do with, um, like, I know in terms of myself, like, there's a huge disparity difference between, and this, like, you see memes on it, difference between moms and dads, the way they react to you. Like, the one, the one meme was, you tell your mom, I love you, mom. She's, oh, thank you, sweetie. I love you, too. And then the other one is, I love you, dad. And your dad goes, okay. <laughs> right and that's it's just like true. that's pretty true <laughs> you know, okay and it's that meme where the guy's got the you know the, the beard and whatever the shit no i see um, it yeah <laughs> right right where it is like uh but you need all of them it can't be otherwise it can't be all levels of too tough it can't be all levels of too soft because you need certain things in certain ways as well right right but it's um it's true that like if it was all just if you didn't have that culture that tougher coach like who was that guy for you was it your was it your wrestler did you have several by by the time you're 38 now have you had several like this i i'd say i've had a couple uh my first was my older brother oh yeah oh how, yeah, so old, how much brother, older is he he was born in 69 i was born in 82 so 13 oh, years shit man he's like an uncle brother type deal yeah yeah okay. yeah so he he served in desert storm and when he came back to live with mom when he got get back on his feet after four years in um you know, I was also living with my mom. So it was, would have been sixth, fifth grade, sixth grade uh, summer. And I was overweight to even play football. So he had me, you know, getting in shape for that. Literally like to make weight and kind of get in shape before football started. He had me running um, two, two laps around the front pasture was, was a mile. So he had, had me running four laps before school started. The first week he drugged me the second two laps. Drugged like for real? Yeah, for real. I'm not lying. So we had the front part of the pasture that was like sugar sand and sand spurs in Florida, right? Yeah. And like I'd make it about two laps and about that time around the third lap, I, I start to fail and, you know, start making excuses and whining and whatever. And uh, literally like the first couple of days, he drugged me for like a lap or two, you know, like physically drug me that front pa pasture till I get back up and start running. By the second week, I was like, it's just easier to run. Easier to run. <laughs> It's like, I'm gonna run this, thank you. Yeah, he was really like mind over matter, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger mindset. He was, you know, young, you know. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too, if he's coming from the military like that and he fought, um, it is that here's the goal, 
we have to cross it. I can't leave you behind. So no. I'm taking you. Uh, so we're going to cross that finish line together on your feet or getting drugged. Right. You know what I mean? It's like it really you is above a lot of a lot of my peers at times. But then in high school, my first football coach uh, was really tough. And like I, I started, so JV was seven games, you know, varsity was 10. Well, I started the, the varsity games after playing JV and got bumped up that after like the last game of JV and our DE got hurt. So I started, I started at defensive end, which is like a huge responsibility. I got like two knockdowns. I almost got a sack, you know, it was a good game, you know, but he never said good job ever. You know, the, the three times or two times he told me, like one time he said, you know, a buddy of mine, another guy, Zuckerman, why don't you hit like Philippus, you know? And like, that was enough to was, sell, for, sell for like a year or two. <laughs> it's it's you know? crazy if that was it. You overheard, you overheard a conversation with your name and that's all you got. And you're like, fuck, hey, hey, that's enough. That's yeah. enough to keep me going another well, season. He was a coach, like if he didn't think we popped hard enough playing, doing running Oklahoma drills. So Oklahoma is two linemen, a linebacker opposing and a running back opposing. And it was just, you know, head-to-head -head battle the whole time. And if he didn't like our pops uh, doing the Oklahomas, you know, we would do them the whole time, the whole oh, practice. Smokes, man. You know, he'd set up two different sets of Oklahomas. we just run those until we couldn't move. And then we'd do wind sprints. And then, and then here's the thing. If that was a father, that's an abusive father. If that's a coach, that's a tough coach. But that's right. not an abusive coach. Well, right. I, I don't know. Is it the, like, you know, you hear stories now. Because things were different too when you were younger. They're, like social media wasn't around at the time, right? We, we, we didn't have the internet. We right. Didn't have okay. Media. Right. So you know, it was cell phones. I think I had a pager in middle school. Cell phone. I might have got a cell phone going to college or my senior year. Dude, I remember those days. It's crazy. So it's crazy to tell people. I don't know what would have happened if when we were young. I think about this all the time, where I'm like, what kids are growing up today. It's it's wild because nothing is off the record. If anything, if anybody gets in any kind of issues or anything on the weekend, it's videoed, it's tweeted out, it's on Instagram. If you run into some people that you're not friends with, phones come out and everything's on the record. And like, if you have an issue with someone and you go home, they can get at you through social media. Whereas we come up in a time where it was like, it was, everything's blacked out. Everything's just, you, yeah. when we, we were our dumbest, which is means. Thankfully, I'm, I'm happy. I'm not like, oh, if, I, if it was around back in the day, I could have got so much that I'm doing social media-wise now rolling earlier, which might have been true. But on the flip side, I also got to live life off the record, which, yeah. is, which is a beautiful thing. You also would have coaches and stuff like that where like this day and age, a lot of things wouldn't fly. <laughs> like, like things would get out quicker or disseminate quicker. Information gets spread a lot quicker, right? right. Where um, back in the day, it's a he said, she said situation with whether it's coaches, your teacher or whatever. You just had to, you had to figure it out. If you run into a personality, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your coach, by the way, I'm just saying, no, uh, let's, 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 just, let's just say that this situation, there was a tough coach that was like that, um, or teacher or, or bully at school or whatever. You have to figure it out. Like there's, no yeah. one's there with you. You have no video evidence. You have no, you just have to be like, well, I have to figure this out. I got, I got to. You know what I mean? It's it's different. It was way different. It was, it, yeah. It built character a lot quicker. Now it's um, uh, cancel or tattle or, or rat. 
you know, you really don't learn the conflict resolution skills that you would learn there. I remember being that big freshman, like I had been jumped at parties. Well, I was always conscientious of what, where the big dudes were at the parties when I was yeah. in high school, especially being a, a bigger underclassman. Even in eighth grade, like one of my only fights, I never got in a fight before I did MMA. But one of the fights that I did get to as an eighth grader was high school is crossing over the bus lane to come beat up the big kid in middle school. And I got kicked out for 10 days for getting beat up by high schoolers. And you were that you were that kid. That's that's another gift and a curse when you're big. Because they yeah. don't people don't feel I had a buddy, actually the same dude that I dropped his name earlier. Hopefully I don't have to edit this podcast, but Ross, who was the football guy who had got knocked out in the game and kept playing. So Ross was the big guy in our crew. Every, every group of friends got that big guy who's the sure. goon, right? It, let, let's throw it back to the hockey. We all had our goons like in hockey who, yeah. all right, we're going to call an intermission on this party and our tough guy is going to fight your tough guy, okay? This <laughs> is kind of what it was. So um, it's like hockey mimics the rules of life all of a sudden, but Ross was that guy. And because he was so big, kind of like this way you're describing – Older guys felt okay to pick a fight with them, which is scary because we would be 14 and an 18-year-old would be fighting Ross. We'd be like, holy smokes, dude. I don't know how you're doing this. But the 18-year-old doesn't feel no two ways because you're both the same size. Or Ross might even be bigger. But it's different when it's a man. It's scary yeah. when it's a man, even if, even if you are big. Or you would see people don't feel no two ways about jumping him because he's bigger. So it's okay. There's three of us, but we're smaller. So it's okay. And stuff, weird stuff like that would happen where it's like, this is wild, man. Being big isn't always, it, it doesn't mean people think like, well, no one would mess with you because you're big. Nah, sometimes it would be sometimes scarier. Sometimes the opposite, yeah. Take sometimes out the big guy. Scary. Right. Yeah. So, so what happened? I want to prove myself to the biggest guy here. Or 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 we just all jump him in. It's, it's all fair game. Or right. I'm four years older, but he's my size, so it's okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So when this is happening and you're coming up, so you were a big kid in these, were you lifting weights at the time as well? Yeah, I don't think, I, I don't really remember lifting a lot of weights until about high school, eighth grade, ninth grade, summer, two a days. You had to lift all summer to, to go to two a days. So for football, mm -hmm. uh, that's why I really remember, you know, lifting. I, I remember like barely be able to, weighing 240, but barely benching 135. Oh, you wow. Know, you know, not being that strong. You know, I didn't deadlift. I didn't formally deadlift till 31 when I started powerlifting. And so this is one of those, um, people say like, I, I remember Ben Rice is on the podcast and he goes, I had to wait lift for 10 years before someone told me I was a genetically gifted. It's like, oh, now I'm genetically gifted after 10 years of, of hustling when you guys weren't around. Now you tell me, oh, but you're genetically gifted. Now I earned the right to be accused of being genetically gifted. It took a long road, right? It's, it's sometimes no one wants to hear that. They're just like, like I get it. There are some people walking this earth that are just freakishly strong, but most oh, people got to do absolutely. a lot There's more work. There's freaks out there. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you were doing this, was, did you have, and I do, you know, it's funny. I do remember like weightlifting at the time. We didn't even then fully understand the three major lifts impact the nervous system and make you significantly stronger. We were just like, you could do like tricep kickbacks and think you're doing, you know what yeah. I mean? Like this is weightlifting. It's also wasting a bit of time. You could have got to, you know, our knowledge wasn't the same. Well, we did bigger, faster, stronger. So we had squats. We didn't have deadlifts, but we had a lot of presses and a lot of benching. That's I good. Okay. So, uh, take to squatting, on, obviously, right? Pretty young and was pretty strong squatting. You know, I did that, you know, throughout high school and, and afterwards for sure, you know, college and everything else. Did you have someone who was watching your squat form and made you like you're doing like powerlifting style, low bar or whatever like that? No, I didn't low bar until powerlifting. Yeah. Isn't that wild too? That, that, was, that was another thing that only came about. I was only, 
acclimatized to with powerlifting. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I, well, nobody knew anything in, in the mind football weight room. It's so crazy. It's weird for us to say this. People, when I talk to people who, who are like uh, from, you know, the, from the social media era, they, all this information is given and it's like, it's like, a, like I, I, now I go to the gym and in the same people, like the, the gym has so many powerlifters in there before the powerlifting, powerlifting's fringe now. It was insanely fringe when we were younger. And um, like you, you wouldn't have a powerlifter in the gym if you did. It was wild. But you could have a whole city, like a big city, and there's not a single powerlifter in that whole city. Now there's several clubs per city. But we have now like 13-year-olds, impeccable form, low bar, sumo, like all the, all, the, all the goodies, and their form is bang on. Whereas back in the day, you threw the bar on your back, and you didn't have a way of getting the information. So you're like, this is a squat. And you just put a bar on your back and start going up and down with it and figuring right. it out. It, it took so long to, to get your squat on point because there's so much trial and error to do it. Yeah, for sure. A lot of guys still squatted high. I, I think I tried, I probably was parallel to the back of the leg, you know, like a football squat. Yeah. So not true breaking parallel, but, you know, I, I did, I think my best was uh, by my senior year was like four or five for five, something like that. Yeah. That's and, that's, and that's, and that's like, that was back in the day. That was very impressive. To me. It, that, it, it was, and it was, they were pretty, I don't know how deep they were, but they were, you know, pretty respectable for what they were. I, and that was during, like, PE, you know. It's so, like I warm up and do it in, in an hour during PE or, like, first or second hour of school, you know. So when you were doing this, were you – because wrestling is – it's diff, wrestling, it's different. It's a little more like powerlifting where it's an individual sport, but you can't get by. Actually, it's probably a little more in the vein of team than powerlifting, only because with wrestling, you can't get by by yourself, period. You need to wrestle other wrestlers to get better. You no, have to. You just you're just not going to do it with like a throwing dummy, you know. Whereas powerlifting, you can like it's probably way better to have a coach who is going to be honest with you and be like your form's breaking down or that was too heavy. Your singles are your start, you know, whatever. You're not going deep enough. There's a million reasons why you should have a you can have a coach. Some people don't have to, but you don't need a training partner with powerlifting. Like you can throw the safeties on and get by. It's probably a lot easier with people around. But with wrestling, you're getting a little closer to when it comes to that day, it's all on you. Football, you can have a shitty game. You guys still win the championship. You know what I mean? Like, it's still going to happen. You're like, hey, I'm a champion. Um, how, when you're leaning more towards the wrestling aspect, are you still with me? I thought you had froze. Otherwise, that was the longest blink of all time. <laughs> Let me check the Instagram guide, sir. And I believe we got my man coming in back. Are you back, sir? Sorry about that, man. No I, worries. I was plugging the laptop, and I thought it was good because it was freshly charged, but I guess I was not. <laughs> I uh, when I was talking, I shoot you not so for a minute there. You froze, and your face was froze, but it was froze that you were listening. And then I was talking and talking and talking, and I'm like, either Rob is incredibly paying attention to what I'm saying because my man hasn't blinked in two minutes. He is, he is a captivated audience who is giving me all of his attention, undivided attention. And, yeah, I, was, and I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to be like, Rob, 
I didn't want to be Rob Blink for me because you're starting to freak me out. <laughs> Rob, Rob, you're no, I've been known to do that. I can, I can not wait for him a while. <laughs> really? So that's why I was like, I am not sure. And then, and then I was, it was apparent. I threw a question in there. It was still a tentative. And I was like, okay, I think we lost him. I think we're frozen. But um, well, last thing I heard, man, we were talking about the, the, the ability to uh, be successful in powerlifting on your own without any, you know, training partners. Yeah, so, so I was going to equate that to, to wrestling first. Before we got to powerlifting, when you're transitioning doing the wrestling, how did you like that? When it was like, because you're doing both at the same time, and it was all or nothing. In a football game, you have a shitty game, and you can still win. Wrestling, you mess up in wrestling. Like, you mess up and you get taken down and pinned or whatever, it's over. You, it's over right there, sudden yeah. death. It's not even like a period of time you have allocated to you. Sudden death. That's it. Three seconds, both shoulder blades, it's over. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. That was mono e mono. My football team at best, and for some reason, we always drew, like, the worst teams for homecoming. But my football team that I played with in high school, at best, we were 500. You know, that oh. was, like, a good year. Six and four was a really good year. Uh, but we do this, drew this private school Jesuit. They were all white. They had scholarships. They were private school. And they beat our asses for every homecoming. I think two out of four years, like, we had them for homecoming. Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> you know, like, why? I don't care. Figure it out, coaches. You know, hook it up. <laughs> well, why do you think? So they, they were already set. Why, why do you think? Like, it's weird. Sometimes... Um, I read a lot of autobiographies like MMA fighters and boxers. And this one, um, Uriah Faber. Do you know Uriah Faber? I He's, do very well. Okay. Uh, not on a personal level, right? Just, you know. Well, I have met him. I've been to his after party and shook hands and talked to him and stuff like Are that. Are you freaking kidding me, dude? He's a cool dude. He's a really down to earth oh. guy. It's not a persona. He's actually a good guy. He's one of the good ones. Dude, it's, well, his book, his autobiography is phenomenal. It's written like autobiography slash motivational i don't want to make it sound cheesy because some motivational books people are like oh my god but i mean he uses like the the most amazing stories of his life and he says he was born and raised in like a uh religious compound his parents were hippies non-violence um he he was never poor off and he'd be fighting professionally he wrestled and then he when he started fighting professionally he said he was fighting some he was like 18 and this guy was like a 30 year old Hispanic man from a hard neighborhood tats all over. And before they fought and this dude like grew up gang violent, he knew about his whole story and the guy had false teeth in the front from street fighting. And he was like, everybody and, and Uriah Faber for anyone listening was the quintessential California pretty boy who, if you were going to fight him, you're like, I don't want to lose to this guy. Because it, it would look, he does not look tough at all. His background was not tough. He just wasn't this dude. And um, he had no, it, it, if you're going to make a movie about a fighter, it would not be him. Because it wouldn't be that cool background story that's like, you know what I mean? It's, he just didn't have that hard knock life. There wasn't but a hardship. He, there wasn't as much hardship. Right, yeah. right. And he said, he explained in his book, he's like, listen to me. Some people will try to tell you, you don't belong here because you haven't paid your dues in life because you're you had both parents you had this you had that there's no reason for you. you're not tough and by life and he was like i get that life can toughen you and you could need something so you don't have any choice but he's like i started wrapping my head around the fact that 
you don't, when I got in a fight with like the gentleman he's about to fight, who, who I'm not giving the story enough credit, but I'm not yeah. going to go into all, all detail, but the guy's going to fight, had to be there and was fighting to get by. But he wrapped his head around and said, you don't want to be here. You have to. And he said, I want to be here because yeah. I like the fight. So while life made you, you don't have a dad, you're, you're growing up in gang infested area, you're, you, you got to fight to get out of there but maybe you don't even want to fight though. Life is making you. He's like, I have everything. I don't have to be here. I want to be here. And he's like, who do you think's going to win now when we fight? Because I'm enjoying myself. You're That's not. That's a big difference. Right? And he's so, yeah. he's, he turned it. And, um, and Uriah is like, we're going to get into the MMA stuff. In a bit. But uh, so when you're talking about that, that football team though, on the surface, and this is no, Again, this, is, this isn't like movie people where they're writing the script. Where like, we, want, we don't want these rich, white, entitled people coming in in a football game and whooping ass when they already have it all. And they're probably already going to the schools they want to go to. They don't need scholarships, but they'll take it anyways. <laughs> right? And it's like, shit, man, those aren't the guys that are supposed to win. But it's like, maybe they just love football and they go home and they could just focus on football and just, you know, oh, it's the way sure. it is. It, it was just the difference in the sports for me. Like, I, there's there's plenty of guys that weren't mentally strong on the football team, and we 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 had a lot of games where we had we had to play both ways. You know, we we weren't forty deep. We might be thirty deep, but we didn't have those like badasses on both sides of the ball. Where the guys that really stood out, we end up being workhorses and playing both ways. You know, I I run a couple of plays a fullback, or when I was when I was uh, you know an underclassman, I'd I'd be a, a tackle and I'd be a, a d- defensive end. You know where I. You know, then I was linebacker, fullback. You know, I play both ways. I wasn't really, you know, just defensive specialist or offensive specialist. So that wore, wore on guys too. You know, you playing against somebody that's fresh, played half the game in third, fourth quarter. Either way, there was lots of excuses, and I hated that about the game. You yeah. know, or I hated that about that team and playing that. And, and really, when it came down to, it, I had to rely on the on the field, and they had excuses in their mind. They weren't going to show up. Well, wrestling takes all that out of play. You just have to look in the mirror, and you can you are in control of who improves themselves and who who's there, who's there to blame. That's just me. You know, I can't blame coach. I can't blame the ref. I can't blame my teammates. It's literally just me, and that was awesome. You know, I really, I really was drawn to that. So it's make it happen. If you could have yeah. made it happen, then why didn't you? You know, you you have to. You have no excuse. It's like I I dropped the ball. I shouldn't have done. You can you can walk away with saying like, you know, if this wouldn't have happened, if I wouldn't have made that mistake, I could have had a different outcome. And that's okay, that's healthy. It's almost to a certain extent when, when athletes, um, I mean, again, I read a lot about these autobiographies and these guys, like a guy like Randy Couture, who's super humble, UFC Hall of Famer, and he never made excuses in the media. People are like, oh, he's so humble, he never makes excuses. And he even said in his autobiography, he's like, excuse me, pardon me, I just had better PR mind, but you need excuse. Excuses are healthy to an extent, um, you may not say it outwardly, but when you're by yourself to get back in there and fight again, you need ultimate belief in yourself. So you need to rationalize a loss. That's okay to be like, where was the mistake? If I fix that mistake, could I have had a different outcome? You need to believe you could have. It doesn't mean, you, it's not saying I didn't make mistakes. It's not saying, it's just believing a different outcome would have been achievable. And that's why you get back up and keep it going. Right? Yeah, As opposed to, I suck. from. You're not the same wrestler, not the same player the next time you step on the field. You, you right. correct those deficiencies, right? And that's where it sounds cliche now to say, like, you either, you either win or you learn, but you don't lose. And people, like, you're, when it's said too many times in a row, it doesn't have its meaning. Yeah. 
Well, any when, loss is not really a loss if you took something away from it. You will get better. Especially in wrestling. I believe that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not cheesy. It's not cliche. You literally have to. That is how you get better. You have to keep going in there and figure, finding different ways of lo- losing and like, okay, well, why did that happen? I got to tighten this up. I got to tighten that up and make changes. Well, I, I have a unique experience with it too. You know, wrestling like, came to me fairly naturally. I, I, I don't know. I just loved it. I was able to start my freshman year. But I, I can't recall very many, very many wins. Actually, like only one win really stands out or two wins stand out. One was a guy that beat me five times. So I beat him one time. Mm. Another was uh, my state championship. I remember that match. Even though I, like, I don't remember the second half of it because I had a concussion, I remember that match vividly. But all the other matches I remember are the, are the losses. You won the state championship? In Florida, yeah. That's big. In, winning in state. What's that? Yeah, no, winning state's big, too. It is big. It, 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 was, it was a big goal of mine. So, yeah. it was awesome. And it, it showed – so, here's something that I noticed. If we can throw this into powerlifting. When you're in a sport – like, like, and I mean, sport, we're describing sport right now. When, when you talk about football, for instance, when you're, when you're batting 500, one thing it does teach you is competing, losing, coming back. Wrestling, like you said, you would lose however many matches. You could be below 500 and then turn it around later on and then be winning state. And you start realizing, like, losing is part of it and how you react to losing. And if you learn, get better, et cetera. But in, in powerlifting, more particularly in the untested division, we have a situation where some individuals, I'm not sure if they're coming from a sporting background where they built this character, that competition is good, where the head-to-head competition of it, some people are like the last podcast we just had with Garrett Fear, he was talking about it. You need the head-to-head and possibly lose it. You need some people, there's, there's so many federations, um, and there's not one overall global body in the untested anyways where you you can force a head-to-head so sometimes people can cherry pick and be like i'm not showing up if rob's there but i'm gonna go after his records when he's not there and just try to go for records or whatever like there's cherry pick yeah. going for records going for there's a lot of that tons of that and the thing the problem is there's never a better way to kill a sport like for instance i you know basketball can be wildly entertaining I don't want to watch Michael Jordan just throw three throws and see how many he can get in a row. That's a PR for me. I didn't, I didn't get 25 out of 30 last time. That's a PR. I got 26 now. It's like, that's, I want to see you go either one. I need to see competition or you, you name it. If it's hockey and you're just taking, you know, slap shots or whatever, I need, you need straight up competition. And you need competition, um, right. You need to be close. Right. Yeah. It, you, yeah. Yeah. And not exactly. Not just, well, last competition or some people there. Yeah, but if the if the discrepancy is is wild, like people, if it's a hockey game or football game, people are leaving in the last quarter if it's ridiculous spread in terms of points. It's yeah, just not the if it's, it's three possessions are leaving. Right? It, it, it's just not the way sports go in general. Sports is, and I posted this um, on King of Lists. People like if you ask them, do you would you rather see showdowns or would you rather see records? Over the top, in terms of viewers, over the top, it's showdowns. I want, they want, that's sports though. Whereas some people, and only a couple people replied saying, you know, it's about a self journey. It shouldn't matter who's there, et cetera. And you can have that self journey in sports. You're going to be far more reflective. Put it this way. 
you can yes it's a self journey it's all it's all about like you know you're that's you're, a benefit of the sport that doesn't make the sport right and not only that you're going to be forced to ask far more questions of yourself and reevaluate yourself when competing against someone else and they beat you and you make mistakes as opposed to if no one shows up and I'm just throwing three throws that's that's a weak well it's a self reflective now how much reflecting are you going to do when you're on a post? Let's right. be honest. Let's be honest though. If someone's, when, when people say that and they're like, but it's a self-reflective self journey, I agree. And I don't think you're being forced in outside of your comfort zone to ask those questions. That's what I would, that's what I would say back. Right. And I right. think individuals like yourself who come up in sports where it is like, like football wrestling, like you've had in your formative years, you understand like, it's okay to be uncomfortable. I can, I can come in first, second, third, or I can ball them out. It's so I've been here. You know, it, it doesn't mean, oh my God, this is everything. It's where like the magic happens though too. It's only when, when, it's, when it's time to step on the platform or step on the mat, that's when it counts. Really, that's just a culmination of everything you've, you've done leading up to that point. So that's like where, that's like the fun time, right? That's where the pressure's on and that's where like I know in myself that I'll stand, I'll step up and perform. And that's like the only time I will perform is when there's actually pressure. Like yeah. way more than anywhere, any other time, right? Well, I've seen it at, um, for the IPF World Championships, um, I do the commentating and you see it sometimes where, and I'm sure we've all felt it at times, look at if it was just at a meet when nobody's pushing you and there isn't a push, or if it's just at the gym, it's one, you're not going to hit certain lifts. But I've seen where you, somebody missed a second attempt and the other person that they're head to head with is the IPF World Championships, they hit their second. Now you have to not only hit what you just missed, you have to raise the bar and go heavier. And that's, the likelihood of that, the likelihood of that happening, you're not getting stronger in the next five minutes by the time they go through the flight and it's your name again. So scientifically speaking, you should not be able to hit this. Right. And they come out and it's a different ball game and they hit it. And it's like, oh my God. It happened with Maria T from Canada. She's the first woman to ever win the IPF World Championships uh, for Canada. And Mr. Second in the, you know, by the, the Megan Scanlon from the U.S. hit her second. And as the commentator, I'm like, that pretty much should be all she wrote, shouldn't it? You just missed your second. She hit it. You have to go heavier and you, you miss lighter. And Marie T comes out and hits it. Only in sport when your back is to the, that's the thing that, like the pressure Maria probably felt when she went back. And Maria previously in world championships has bombed out trying to win and like, you know, the, I get it where the stress of sport and the anxiety of sport is, can be very difficult on the day of. So you're like, if there's nobody else here and I just have numbers I have to hit, it's less stressful, it's easier, it's whatever. But like you said- well, old, It's harder though too. Well, well, because yeah. it's harder to dig deep in terms of like, why do I need this as much? Yeah. But in terms of, um. This, there's good stress and bad stress. I, I guess what I would say is it's Absolutely. hard with, without stress and anxiety, you're not going to do what Maria T did. I'm sure in that moment, she felt all types of, oh my God, everything is about to go down the drain. Everybody who thought you could be Canada's first is, is I'm letting them all down. And that stress, no, I got one more shot. And the coaches be like, I don't care what just happened. You missed. I don't care this one you hit. All go like that. Stress the pressure made magic happen, and then boom, history gets made. So at the time, 
Yeah, 100%. If, if she wasn't in that pressure cooker situation, she wouldn't hit what she had to hit. But the feeling of it in the time, it's one of those cases where people describe it could be your best day and your worst day at the same time. Sure. It could feel terrible, but only through that stress and anxiety and pressure did you up it to another level. That's a phenomenal feat, too, to be able to do that, to, to miss something and increase and still hit it. That's impressive. Mental fortitude, right? Only through, it's mental fortitude, right? And yeah, it gets... Sure. At its purest. Do you think that kind of thing is... Do you think in terms of sports, you know the old quote, sports don't build character, they reveal it. Do you agree with that? Or do you think sports can actually build and harden you? Or do you think you always are what you are and it is what, and you just get revealed on the I team? guess it's an inter interesting question. It really has to do with like context. Are we talking like formidable years? Are we talking as an adult? You know, I, I think I think it's it's really in the context of like a youth, it's definitely going to build character because it's going to, for the first time in their life, they're going to be tested and they have choices to make, right? Whether it's conscious or subconscious, they're going to make whether they continue to make the same choice, but they're gonna start making some kind of like stay or go, you know, fight or flight or show up or let myself down, right? So in those years, it's definitely formidable, but same token, it could just be revealing because you have sometimes, I've watched friends, you know, it seemed like friends with the really passionate dads or, or uncles, you know, or big brothers, whatever that were good in the sport, I've seen them show up and not reach their potential almost in spite of themselves and others, you know? Mm. But in that, you know, regard, it almost sounds like it just reveals, right? You know, it, it sounds there mind. I really don't know if people ever change, you know, very much of a degree. But, you know, my wife, for instance, you know, we, we, we debate that, you know, in, in character and life experience, you know, do they ever really change or they just make different choices? So to answer your question, I'm, I'm kind of stuck. I would say it forms them in, when you're younger, or at least shows light to it. But ultimately, yeah, it just reveals. It's just going it, to reveal the character. It is interesting because you could look at it like you always had it in you. You just needed, you had to learn that it's there or not there or whatever. But it was always there, but through different situations, it gets brought out. I do think so. I, I, I mean, I kick this around too, where you could also say like later on in life, and it's not formative years anymore. You're an adult. Um, can you still learn things or can you still harden? Here's what it is. I think maybe as time goes on, if you haven't in your formative years, it's a conditioning where if you never get pressed, there, there's also a, a book called 10,000 Hours. And everyone's heard this number thrown out. To master something, you need 10,000 hours involved. And it shows- It's repetition over hours. Right. Right, 10,000 right. double legs, I'm going to be really good at double legs, right? right. 10,000 tackles, I'm going to be pretty damn good at that tackle coming off the, off the end of the line, right? Yeah. That angle. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, 10,000 hours. Yeah, and, 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 they, and, a show, and they talked about um, there are some freak athletes, and this is every sport, not just powerlifting. We see it now in powerlifting that the talent pool is getting a lot bigger, so we're starting to get some freak athletes. But some people jump in and are immediately successful a lot quicker than their, their counterparts, and it is what it is. But they said over the long haul, usually the person who puts in the 10,000 hours is going to come out on top in different situations where, um, for instance, the Maria T scenario I just gave, which happens all over the place, you know, where if it comes down to that, 
the person who put in their time has seen so many different scenarios and battled through so many different things that when the going gets tough, it's almost just you click over like a switch is hit and it just becomes automatic because you've done it so many times in your head. It's too. without thought. Right. Once you get to the point that you can do it subconsciously, right? So this is in parallel. Now I'll let you continue, but in parallel, it's like every rep I touch the bar is a mass effort attempt. Mm. So by the time I get to where like I can't think I'm fatigued mentally, I'll have a chance of still doing it right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and, and and that's where I think, um, you know, if if you're later on in life, if you've never been tested enough times, you're more likely that it'll be one of those revealing moments if you start choking and you don't have it there because you weren't tested in the formative years. Um, and I think the more often you stay in your comfort zone, the harder it is to pull somebody out of it. So that's kind of more, I think you could always, you could always be the person you're meant to be, or man, I'm throwing so many cliches out here in this podcast. It's insane. I, I it's like, it's like I got a, a quota of how many memes I have to hit, but I don't, I don't mean to be, but it feels like, but, um, but I do think you can later. The problem is it's just more difficult. You're far more a blank slate when you're younger. So you can learn lessons quicker. Have that mentor in your life to tell you, pull you aside and make, listen, can I talk to you, Rob? Here's what happened today. And then you have that convo as opposed to adult Rob who, um, let's say you were conditioned to, you've never been pulled out of your comfort zone like that before. Your knee-jerk reaction, it's far easier to retreat back into your comfort zone. And it's far more instilled, just like any kind of conditioning can be instilled in you as an adult. So while adult Rob probably still can turn a corner and, and it's just going to be more difficult and it might take a far greater life altering situation where that adult Rob is like, I got to sit down. I'm going to change something like, you know, that now something's going to happen today. Like I look at it, somebody could be 55 and totally change your life. But I think the longer it goes that you're in a certain role it's just tougher, right? Right. I, I, I would very much so. That that curve just separates. I think the the the, the longer the timeline extends, right. I think that 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 graph or those two lines are no longer parallel, right? That, that, that's probably what the middle ground is. Nothing is ever just straight up black and white. You know what I mean? People want to say it is, but it's not just that. I was I was really negative and like hard on myself, but like it's really hard to potentially surpass your own expectations but like the earlier in life that that happens where you actually surprise yourself with your effort like i think that's that's part of it you know as far as showing up when was that for you was it was it in football or, or wrestling or was it later on it was in wrestling yeah it was in wrestling like just just surpassing like you know beating guys that I, I really thought i did not have a chance to beat probably you know or or having it you know coming from behind in a match or like the one guy that he literally beat me five times i beat him one time Mm -hmm. You know, he had my number like every time, he just no matter what, you know, he just, he just had my number and I, 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 he slipped one time and I beat him one time. So. Isn't it wild? I, everyone can relate to that to an extent where if you're behind on points or you're facing someone that constantly beats you and you're like, by all means, you're like, man, this isn't going to happen. And you just keep digging in, in on your path. And if you get the win, you're like, holy shit. You start realizing like, oh, but he's a human too. Like he, I'm t when you're behind and you're like, I'm tired, I'm behind. I don't see how this is going to happen. If you actually pull it off and you unlock that, but he was tired, 
but he was facing some demons. Even though he's always beat me, the pressure's on him to beat me again. Like of, of messing up. <laughs> he was right. just worried about it. It's always 50-50. It's almost you start realizing, but it's always 50-50. Every, every match is a new match. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's always, he's tired, he's beat up too. It doesn't matter. And the pressure I have, like, oh, well, I've never beaten him. But he's walking in there thinking, I've only beaten this guy. If I lose this guy, he's carrying all the pressure. I'm not. You know, it, weird. You don't, I think when you're younger, you don't, or, or you know, it, if you haven't been in enough experiences, you don't realize the perspective of that sometimes. Okay. When other people might be carrying as well. Yeah. And, sure. and, and the, uh I, like I have played, I'm not. I don't play it often. Do you play chess? Yeah, yeah. I, I like to play chess. I don't play like very prestigious. I play time chess, but I learned younger. And to me, wrestling was always kind of like just a chess match. I love right? that. Yeah. It was, it was a, strat- a lot of strategy involved. You know, it didn't matter. Like you know, I had matches that would end up one-one or two-one, and that would be like, you know, because you guys were two guys were that good, or you know, nobody could take, get the takedown, etc. You know, so. I, I do I do jujitsu and it's kind of like um, it's similar in that it's it's like a chess match where there's so many flipping moves that um, encounters those counters those moves and then counters those counters and then strategy to you know bait just like chess where you bait someone you expose something and yep. then they go for it and you counter and that's what you wanted all along anyways. Well, it's but the guys that set up the, the the third bait that really gets. <laughs> And then, right, where, where you exposed and it was a bait, they took the bait, you countered, but they knew you were exposing that to counter. So they did that, but they had a counter for your counter and then we're getting really deep now. But that happens in chess. That happens in jujitsu. That, that's why I love jujitsu. But it's like, I know, so when you said chess, I, I played it, but I know what you mean in terms of game strategy. It's like, it's such a mind. Um, it, I like how it's all about possibilities and anything can happen. Right. And it, it's almost memory and strategy at that point. But yeah, and, and that's, it's a little bit of football as well, where you, it's almost like a game of like war on the, on the field where and you it, have the generals and your soldiers and you're moving them along, trying to gain and lose ground yep. to capture the flag in the end. Yeah. And, and what look can you present the whole game? So you have an opportunity in that third quarter. Right. Right. There's plenty of that too. So, so at what point you, you said you got into MMA. So was this a transition from wrestling? Yeah, so I, I started working in my 20s and really wasn't doing anything with, like, the competitive nature that I had inside. You know, I quit wrestling after two years of college and actually started working because uh, my ex-wife and I had gotten pregnant, or she had gotten pregnant. Mm. You know, so I took it as – I really wasn't a big scholar. I didn't care for it that much. And I only went there to wrestle. Once I stopped wrestling, I didn't have a lot of um, incentive to go to class, to be mm. honest, right? So I started working, and for a couple of years, I basically just worked – I worked out a little bit, not nothing crazy, um, and, and, and drank, you know, just lived life, whatever. Uh, you know, at some point uh, around 2008, 2009, I started getting back in shape. I had had a couple of bike accidents and motorcycle accidents. I'd lost some weight and, and decided to get back in shape. And uh, my ex-wife and I both started uh, judo together and then eventually started to fight together. Holy smokes. 2008, 2009, I had my first fight. Uh, end up fighting eight times or uh, nine times. I was eight and one when I quit. Um, but I'm legally blind in one eye. So I was having trouble depending on what state I was in, whether or not I could get the athletic commission to pass me or if I could like slip through the cracks 
or if they didn't give me a patch, like I split my other fingers to read the eye exam, you know? So I was like cheating to fight and I didn't really want to go on any reservations because they have like no rules. You can elbow there. And uh, so at some point I just, and I had some broken bones. I was, I broke my overall twice. I broke my jaw once. I broke my foot once. You know, I had some pretty, pretty bad injuries where like I was missing work and such. So. But, but to be fighting with one eye, isn't that a massive, like they stop fights in the fight when a fighter gets his eye closed or too much blood in the eye. And they're like, look at this guy's not entirely blind in that eye, but far too impaired. We have to stop the fight. You, you started the fight like that. Yeah, but I had it since, um, I, you know, I injured my eye in first grade. So I've been in, with that impairment since first grade. So, you know, when I, when I made it to linebacker, you know, uh, Will Sam, you know, I always had to look at that wide receiver. I had to really break my neck because I'd get cracked back on like nobody's business if I didn't. You know, when I was scraping out, I had to make sure I head on a swivel was, was an understatement because <laughs> I would get the worst crackbacks <laughs> with my right side. But yeah, uh, I, I never noticed it. You know, in a drill we did wrestling too a couple times. I had a coach that uh, we did it just a handful of times, but we'd wrestle blindfolded. And it's easier to wrestle blindfolded if I can touch you. Dude, this is some. Jean-Claude Van Damme Bloodsport. <laughs> well, to me, it's a lot easier. In fact, I learned to wheelie a motorcycle in, in, in the dark because it was easier for me to sense my balance point than in daylight. My brother, you're turning into Daredevil right now. What are we <laughs> talking about here? You're, you're, you're a fighter who, who trained blind and has a, on a motorcycle doing wheelies. They can make a movie about you now. If you, were, you ride a motorbike and you won't I don't pass. ride motorcycles anymore. <laughs> well, so that's wild. So you were, and you fought nine times, eight and one. So you were, you were obviously you're good and competitive at it. Did you, did you stay amateur? Did you turn pro or was it along the lines of about to turn pro? You made some decisions like, you know what, if, if I'm not going to. Well, that's, that's why I stopped because I couldn't go pro. You have to be 2060 uncorrected to fight pro. You have to I'm be what, sorry? Vision. Oh. 2060 gotcha. uncorrected to fight professionally. Most, most athletic commissions. Right. So you then realize this is never going to happen. Like I'm going nowhere then. Uh, yep. I'm spinning my wheels. Yep. Yeah. And that's when I kind of started to transition to powerlifting. And, and how old were you at the time then? What's that? How old were you at the time then? I'll be six, seven years ago, six years ago, 32, 31. So it wasn't that long ago then. No. Oh, wow. And, and is that like, was that tough for you to switch gears like that? Like the fighting is so, it's all encompassing. Look, you play basketball, you play baseball. You don't play fight. Not unless it's a little child you're wrestling or something like that, right? Yeah. Is it, you have to be all in, right? Yeah, you do. I was never a great striker. So a lot of my training was more grappling than it was, was um, striking. When I was fighting for a camp, it went to like a fight camp, I would, I would pick up my striking training tremendously like almost all striking or have you know three practices a week where i'd strike but i was you know i took a lot of damage in my fights because i was such a wrestler you know i i only knew to go towards power or pressure you know i, I took a lot of damage i didn't have any head movement it was kind of ugly you know i when i i always joke that i'll retire and i'll go back to judo because i really like judo a lot because that's where i started before i did jiu-jitsu and uh i actually took judo nationals in like 2010 um, and how'd, how'd that go uh, what do you mean? I, I, it Kansas City Junior Nationals. Uh, I forget the federation, but it went well. I beat a guy that had, hadn't, hadn't lost in like 119 matches or something. Oh, damn. Yeah, well, fancy. Have you ever, ever done judo? 
Um, I did, but not very long. But I know it's, it's like obviously not real pretty. And he kind of did this little hip ice thing, and he tried showing me hips, grabbed my lapel, had a lot of fast hip movement. Looked like he was going for a sweep. Well, he showed me his hips one more time. I just sat in my chair and suplexed him. <laughs> Over. They hate wrestlers. Like they put all these rules in place so you can't shoot on the legs. Like right. they really hate wrestlers. But that was a clean throw, and it was over. He was devastated. <laughs> it's it is um, like if you're strong in judo, you'd be held to try to move. If you because your base would be insane locking up with you, and it's handles because it is it's in the gi. Like it's not a there's no no gi judo. So you yeah. there's nothing but handles all over the guy you're wrestling. Right. So you can always you can't slip around as easy strength can be a d disadvantage sometimes if you over rely on it because some of the guys are so good with their leverages mm. that i've been thrown so many times over guys that weren't that strong they were just that good at judo they were you know they're just better they were just better than me they, you're right that they did i remember um when i was doing it i think some rule changes were coming to place so they did change it that you couldn't shoot in on the legs and there's a couple other yeah, things when too. i started judo i could still double if i was like desperate i could double leg somebody and, and that's gonna be they would hate that. Yeah, they did. There were people in the stands, like, booing, like. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. It's like, look at man. I, it is what it is. Yeah. I treat it like a fight. They did not. <laughs> they also put rules in there where they didn't like a lot of groundwork, like submissions and whatnot. They want it defined. They want it finished with a throw. They want it finished with a throw, and, and they, they took everything away besides pinning. They didn't want people pinning to win. And you could, it, when I started, you could still pin to win. I don't know if you can anymore. I, I. Yeah, I think I think you could still pin, but it is. I mean, their pin is in three seconds. It's like twenty five seconds. Yeah, from side control, I think without being in guard. Yeah. For, so yeah, so you're you're there for a long time. So so when you're doing MMA fighting, did you have a lot of injuries coming off of that? Uh, just the you know, I, my third fight, I fractured my orbital pretty bad, and uh, in in uh, broke my jaw in my uh, eighth fight. I broke my jaw, so. But so that's mostly in terms of um, impeding you and powerlifting, nothing like, like you see some guys like Shogun Hua, who his knees are destroyed in elbows. You've seen him get tossed and he planted on his arm by Mark Coleman and arm bent the wrong way. And just, you see, you could see some disgusting stuff in MMA, but yeah. in that stuff, although it's like facial damage is not fun when it's happening, but at the very least orbital and jaw isn't going to affect you in terms like powerlifting or, or stuff no. like that. So you never had any injuries, like torn hamstrings, torn like ligaments, MCL, ACL, like you hear? I, I had an MCL once, um, but that was uh, not, not repaired. And it was uh, not even from fighting. It was from looping out in the backyard on a dirt bike. So you know, <laughs> I've done stupid stuff like that. But uh, fighting, I didn't tear any ligaments or you know joints or bones like that. I broke my orbital, my, my, my jaw, and I broke a bone in my foot. Other than that, I did have a full orbital reconstruction on my right eye, but that's the blind eye, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, jokes on that guy. You're punching yeah. the wrong eye. <laughs> that was a red hit. I was beating you. Lucky. In the it, was, it was lucky is what it was. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's the thing. If damage happened to your good eye, you could literally be daredevil. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you could literally be. It'd be obvious. I'd be swinging at nothing. I'd be, it'd be over. But even, I mean, if it was permanent damage, like, for instance, Michael Bisbing, um, I read his autobiography, phenomenal. His one eye was damaged from fighting. And I mean, Vitor Belfort spin kicked him into the eye. And his eye now, he has a fake eye in there. It's gone. If you got your good eye damaged while fighting, and this is why certain commissions are like, we can't let you do this. 
you're blind for life yeah. though yeah. not just that fight did you yeah. really were you were, what were you thinking when you're going in there fighting being like if this happens to my good eye so my you, the rest of my life gamble? do you gamble at all I'm, here's the thing my man you're talking the wrong i am not a gambler i hate gambling you can't win money with scared money oh there we go that's true that's true so i can't go in that cage with any kind of fear i can't right. step on a platform with any kind of ache or pain boo-boo without fear you cannot do it it's i mean you can it's not gonna you're not gonna be successful right, right. you gotta commit everything all in this is like war this is like ritual i'm putting on my samurai gear i'm going out with this is all in. it is what it is basically you'll deal with whatever happens after the fact yeah and how so how did you end up finding powerlifting after mma uh i i Randomly, I, I guess, uh, oh, I, this is really actually simple. A buddy of mine, for, I wrestled at the same alma mater, the same college as me. He was a couple of years younger than me, but we trained at the local YMCA together, and he kept getting on me. He, was a, he wrestled 25, and I think he was powerlifting at the time at 165. He's like, you got you to gotta do me. You just got to go see what you can do. You know, you really like it, da 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 you know, for years, you know, we trained together. He was actually my son's art teacher in, in kindergarten, you know, there in, in Marshall, Missouri. Uh, John Gerhold is his name. Still a good friend of mine. I was at his wedding. You know, I was you know uh, his best man at his wedding. You know, just awesome guy. Um, he he finally talked me into it. He's like, hey, I'm doing this meet. Show me the show me me uh, show me state games, Missouri uh, in March of whatever 20, 2012 or something like that. I think it was. And we went and did it. You know, and it, that was it. it. That was history. I found a powerlifting gym where I, where I moved to in Omaha and and started training there and and. I think I ran before that me, I ran Brand Lily's cube method like three times or two times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so 10 weeks twice and then did a meet. And that was it. Like, wh what would you equate your love for powerlifting with these other sports? Is it up there like that? Or is it like, where do you, where do you feel about it? Oh man, it's a good question. It's a good question because I would do it if there wasn't competition, yeah. right? Powerlifting is awesome. And because you are only competing with yourself, it's very unique and, and fun because now the you know you do a meet the community there is always phenomenal. Those guys and, and those women, you know, it's, it's really tight knit. They're they're very cool people. Um, but with social media, it's made it like this bigger sport. It's really grown, you know, exponentially in the last you know six years for sure. When I started mm -hmm. from now from then to now, it's 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 huge compared to what it was before. That being said, I'd still be training at some capacity. I'd still be pushing myself. It did help me get more regimen and not do by feel as much, you know, because I started following programs more consistently. Before that, I think a bigger, faster, stronger, and 5-3-1 were the only things I kind of played with. You know, so I didn't really peak. I didn't really, you know, I didn't do any of those things for, you know, intentional purposes, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of opened all those floodgates on, on how I train and my knowledge around training. And, you, know, you know, I've had some injuries to, you know, it, it wouldn't be as good as wrestling, but it, it is now, and it's something that I can do for the rest of my life, right? That's the beauty of powerlifting is it doesn't have to stop. There's, yeah. there's master's divisions as well, but it, like this is one thing that COVID's taught us. COVID hits other sports, like for instance, wrestling, and you're like, what are we doing here? We, we, I, I guess we could do drills, but you know, it's, it's a different scenario, whereas COVID hits and powerlifting meets are down, you could still smash weights, get stronger, progress, and, and do your thing. And it's, it feels like, no, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to take my foot off the gas. I got to lift weights. It yeah. becomes like a part of your life almost. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, 
I, I didn't even touch on it, but really, to be honest, it, it was um, it was always kind of like my stress relief to life. You know, it was where I would go to kind of check out, recenter, re-energize even. You know, it was kind of like my pill. My pill was training, lifting something for many years. Well, the, so when, you, when they tell you, like any counselor will say, like, if you could try to meditate, we all have that narrative voice in our head. It sounds like your own voice, but you're not actually hearing it. It's in your head, but you hear yourself and you're constantly thinking to yourself. We're compulsive thinkers. And to meditate is to have no inner dialogue in your head. You're not talking to yourself at all. You're not storytelling in your head. You're not whatever. Nothing. And it's a really difficult thing to actually wrap your head around having absolutely zero inner dialogue going on in your head. That's met. That's proper meditation. And they said, if you can achieve that, it's a level of, of a reset in terms of stress relief, et cetera. And something that I've noticed that other people have noticed with powerlifting, you can't have hundreds and hundreds of pounds on your back, be sunk in the hole and be having an inner dialogue about work, about a fight you had, about you're ever so present. And they said, that's what meditation is, is becoming present and there is nothing else in your mind. Powerlifting, you, it's impossible to be in the midst of scrapping out with that kind of weight while thinking about like, can you fucking believe that guy cut me off earlier? Or I can't believe my wife had said that. And that's really, you know, it's gone. It's, it's, it's fine. It's you, you couldn't or, or give a shit less. Yeah, right, yeah, or it's not heavy enough. Yeah, exactly. So it is um, when people who don't lift or, or lift enough, and I think that's what it is to not lift enough. They're like, well, I lift probably not enough, my friend, if you don't understand what I'm saying. So it's, it is that. The question that I've had before, because I've done the animal cage several times and it's always been fun. It's been fina- you know, a fantastic time. Well, people like fans or, or, or friends or somebody will ask me like, well, you know, how is it in there? Is it energy insane? Or, you know, what are you thinking? Or how, how, how much different is the pressure? I was like, I literally could have been in my garage. <laughs> you know, I hear, I mean, I'm sure I feel those, there's energy there. I'm sure it, 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 it comes over, but I literally can't hear shit or see anything when I'm squatting. <laughs> Isn't it wild? Huh? Isn't it wild, eh? That yeah, it works like wild. this. But same token, like, I, I really don't even know where I am when I'm under that load, you know? Like you just said, to relate, it's completely silent. There's no thoughts. <laughs> it is, I'm, it is, yeah, it is, um, it's hard to explain because you are, like, in terms of adrenaline and everything, you're ever so peaked, but you're ever so present to exactly what is going on, you know? And you're just, you're just there. Like, a lot of times, too, like, do you find you have... You, you're going through mental cues for your squat and you're thinking, where's my elbows or my knees? Like, like, or is it just, that is gone, my friend. It is either already been instilled or gone. But I definitely do it. Andre Malachev, you know, one of the strongest all time, arguably. I know yeah. uh, he's been beat now, but, you know, he said, like, he, there's no thinking in lifting. Mm-hmm. He's been quoted to say that in seminars, right? There is no thinking. And I, that's why I'm so big on like my ritual and my routine. Cause that's gotta happen when I can't think, when I'm too tired, whatever, or I'm too uh, excitable, whatever. You know, that's gotta happen before anything else. So yes and no, I don't think of any cues when I'm during the lift. I, I have had people help with like head up and, you know, knees out, things of those that nature. And that does help. And like, I will like focus on it if it's called out. Mm. Same token, I'm not personally focusing on a cue 
uh, with max weight. You know, maybe leading up to, I'm trying to like really focus on something for a day. I'll pick one cue for a day. Or if I'm working with somebody, I'm picking one cue and I'll focus on that for the day, right? But during the lift, no, you're not, I'm not thinking anything. It's almost like you have to um, get the motor pattern while training. Like your coach says, sees, look at you, you're dropping your head. I know you don't realize it, but you are. I'm looking at the video, it's happening. So you're over and over and over beating it in your head in training and doing it over and over. So that on day of, if you're going through and you fall back into your old routine, if the coach says, head up, that's it. That's all. But there's, you know, I know what you mean where it can't be, it's not going to be a fucking dialogue. It's not going to be, it, that's gone. It's either yeah, there or it's not. It's, 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 um, there's very little, like however many times you're, you're on the scene at a powerlifting competition and the, the national team coaches are not your personal coaches. They're the national team. So they aren't working with you on a day in day out. So oftentimes if a national team coach and it's the world championships see some things wrong, they're like, I, it's, it's far too late for me to tell this guy or girl, do this, do that. It's, it's not going to help you. Once the weight gets heavy, it's, it, can, it's, it can actually get in your head. But we're just going to make do with what we got. Right. You know, it is the motor pattern or it's not at this point. It's a little late in the game to be doing some major adjustments. Small, maybe. Bring your hands in a little, maybe. But during the actual lift, you're going to do what you're going to do. Right. It, how do you, what are, what do you think are probably some of the biggest highlights in terms of your powerlifting career? Is it the cage or is it some of the actual competitions and PRs you've hit? Uh, it's definitely some of the competitions and PRs, you know. Uh, the cage is, is awesome. I think my first time in the cage is my best squat, the hardest squat I've ever had in my entire life. So I, I squatted 905 naked knee and it was four weeks or three weeks, something like that. I think it was four weeks. It was about four weeks or something like that after competing and oh, having wow. my first nine, my first time squatting over nine in competition. And I did it bare knee. I squatted 903 in competition with a weight cut. And, um, uh, you know, so to do it in the cage was phenomenal. And I, I like, I, I, I stalled in it. And I remember thinking, you know, kind of getting tunnel vision. So there's two things in, in the high, bigger guys, I'm sure, or anybody for that matter. High blood pressure is fireworks. Like little, like when you do the peripheral test for driver's license and you get those little white specks, you know, you get either white specks or black specks for blood pressure. Well, the oxygen is tunnel vision. And like, it literally blacks it out and gets real narrow like this. And all, and all this gets black out here and you start to like, oh, I'm going to go. You do jujitsu. Have you ever been put out? I'm going out. Well, about halfway up on the squat, I'm like, oh, oh shit. I'm going I'm to go out. And I was just like, oh, fuck it. And as soon as I went out, I was like, oh, I guess I'm just going to go down with this one. And I'm, I'm like rocking like this halfway up and like my vision went clear again. <laughs> so that's like the best part of my career. That being said, <laughs> it was just like, how did that happen? Like, I thought I was out of oxygen. And I didn't breathe. You know, I will pick and squat, walk it out and squat all in the same air. Because I literally have trouble getting tight once I have the weight. It's, so That's but, one of those situations where they'd be like, how'd it feel? You'd be like, I think I died for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I might have been clinically dead for half a second, halfway through that squat. I'm, it's a miracle. I died and came back all in one yeah, squat. It really felt that way. It was, it was, it was a fight, my biggest fight. Uh, that being said, you know, br breaking uh, Eric Lillybridge's record, it took me like three or four times to do that. I attempted that squat. I think four times to break it, you know, 916, 918, 916.9, 917. I, I tried it several times and then finally got it. 
with 922, you know, so his was 916.9, I think what it was or something, but I tried 916, 918, and then finally 922, I, I broke it. So I missed it a bunch of times. I, I, we had T Papulia on, on the podcast like a few years back and he was talking about when he was in heavy pursuit of, of a record and to hunt it down and attempt it. I think it took him four or five tries as well. And he's like, I started growing out of the weight class and the weight cuts got worse and worse. And he's like, I'm not leaving this weight class until I get this record. And he's like the last, time attempting it was the worst weight cut ever and it so you think it's getting worse and worse and he's like if i don't get this freaking record this time he's like when i waited the gatorade i had after the weigh-in was was like the best gatorade you've ever had in your life man it would have been a gatorade commercial when you're drinking it and it's going all over your face and you're so over the top refreshed he's like it was the world's greatest gatorade he's like i couldn't tell you he was like after i drank that i was like Today I'm taking this record because I know, like, I don't want to do this ever again. You know, I'm not coming back to this. Big boy, he is. A oh, big he's huge. He's yeah. huge. When you're hunting down this record, did you start feeling eventually like, my God, this has to happen? So, no, I just figured it. I had figured it a couple times before that I, I could have had if I just would have executed better. You know, mm -hmm. so um, I knew it would come. You know, or it wouldn't. I, I was still going to give it my all. So it's I didn't ever show for it. It's tough when we get romantically attached to numbers and lifts. Where it's yeah, like I had that record a couple times and then he just blew it blew it out of the water. You know, so it'd been my record. It was like Matt Winnings and then it was mine. And then I think uh this uh, I can't think of his now a different guy, USAPL guy from a different country had it for like a little bit. And then I think I took it back and then then Eric blew it out of the water. Or might have been some exchange there, but you know, so I'd been hunting for a while, you know, I was obsessed. It was just close enough that it was, um, I had to, you know, I was so close. I had to try and get it. Yeah. That's not, that's not how the story ends. You know, you have one of those inner dialogues. You're like, no, yeah, that's not how this, the story's not over yet. Yeah. It doesn't rest there. Do, do you feel like, um, because there is, because this is an all-time record we're talking about. And, right. and that's why it can be federation to federation. Because there is so many federations, and this is a dialogue we had in the last podcast with Gary Fear, that, some federations have different standards of depth. And for you, like you're a big guy who, who goes deep. And a lot of guys who are big are like, well, it looks different when I'm a big guy. And dude, your legs are absolutely freaking monstrous. And you're a monstrous, monstrously huge guy. You have no problems with depth though. Like you, you hit it and nobody's ever saying, yeah, but his, nobody's ever going to talk like that when it comes to your squats. But there is other federations where some of these depth isn't, isn't very convincing. And that's a nice way of putting it. Um, so sometimes someone could come along, take a record of yours and you're like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't quite look like you did the same type of squad I got. Is this like, in terms of your pet peeves, like things you would like to change in powerlifting, is that ranked the highest? Is there other things you think where you're like, look at, I would like to tighten this, that, and the other up? You know, all that is really kind of arbitrary to me. You know, the, now with the, the level that we document things, you know, and it gets out there, um, you know, that person will have to live with it. You know, I'm measured by more than, by, by more than these records or these squats or these numbers. You know, ultimately I have to live with it. I thought my last record was high and I watched it from all angles. It was nuts on. And, you know, everybody on site said it was good. You know, I thought it, it was just what it was. It was just high for me, right? It just was higher than I was com used to. Um, you know, so if, if powerlifting could change, you know, I, I think any federation 
you know, every, every, every federation, I think it's good to have diversity, but they do need to have some kind of rule book in place where they test their judges. I think that's important. You know, mm -hmm. I, think, I think they shouldn't be recognized. And I think they are supposed to, but I know some are kind of more loose than others. You know, I've even thought about maybe even starting one, like why not, you know, if, if anybody can, if it only meets these, you know, small requirements. I, I think the, the other lifters at the, the meet are being held to the same standards. I think those are the lifters that really kind of change the, the vibe of the meet. It's the judges, but you know, if they're, if they're accepting it the day of, you know, that's on them. You know, I can only control me. You know, this sport, I would love for this sport to be more than, you know, it'd be, you know, high top tier of a, of a sport that anybody, you know, relates to. And I don't know how far away we are from that. It definitely, it hurts us anytime we see something that doesn't look right. Mm. right? Yeah, it, it's, it's, if you're a fan, you want, you want an element of consistency. I get it, the strike jump, the strike zone changes in basketball. Uh, fouls get called differently, or sorry, in baseball. Fouls get called differently in basketball from game to game sometimes, but still a strike zone is a strike zone. Whereas if there's a, a big discrepancy when you're watching certain competitions, here's one thing that is different in terms of um, with the IPF, what they had to try to take some control of it. They said, you're allowed to, like you can lift in all the different nations, local meets, et cetera, you're using your own judges, that's fine. If you're going for a world record, it has to be international judges because they're vetted by us. So that's why some people are like, gravity's gravity no matter where you are. What does it matter about the level of judging? We're seeing why. It's one of these deals where it's like, stick around in the sport, you're gonna see some funny business happen and you'll be like, how did this happen? Well, if you have a local guy holding a competition in his gym and they're all judging themselves, some funny stuff can happen, right? Whereas if you have a federation that's like, listen, you can have your local meet, you can have your local judges. It's just going to be a local meet, local judges though. Well, I squatted a world record. What's the difference? It's, well, the difference is even if that was to depth, we can't allow it because the next one might not be or other parts of the world, you know, right. we, we need a standard, like you were saying, a standard where um, what they have is we train you we coach like as a judge, we tell you what the standard is. And because we have eyes on only a certain amount of, of competitions are going to be sanctioned to have world records. If there is some controversy around one, it's a lot easier for us to investigate and be like, now who was that that did that call? Let's take a look at this. But if it's just willy nilly, everybody around the world, you can't, it's, it's, it's not even practical to take a look at, a competition where people are having like there's too many all over the place like you're yeah, there's too many now right so it is i i understand the drawback i'm i'm an ipf guy so i get it with people like yeah. it's too bureaucratic so that is the natural drawback of things though right it's I've just never been, i think i've walked through like one meet if, if i would have gotten younger i'd be ipf too i'm, I'm sure you know i just didn't start it young enough to right. really get exposed to it you know that's right. That's just how it goes. You know, I think it's an easy fix. If, if, if it is a little record, maybe we just need to put in some, some kind of standard from a side view video um, review. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a hard fix, right? It's something that we have technology that can do it now. I, you know, I, if somebody gets a break, it's on them, you know, so be it. You know, I, I think IVF does a great job. You know, USAPL, they do a great job in keeping it, it very tight. You know, that's where your lifters expect that, you know, they expect that product to be the same regardless of where they go. 
you know, I get it. You know, I love Ray and I love some of the bigger squads. Bigger guys are harder to judge at times. You know, if they get, if you can get in and out of that hole and you're not intently looking where you need to look, it's going to be hard to judge. Mm. You know, and some of those guys get in and out pretty damn fast. I'm a slower squatter. You know, you have a couple seconds to see where I hit. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, how did they dunk that way that fast? Right. You know, so it, it is hard to judge. You know, and, and really it comes – you got to trust the judges on, on the scene. You know, if, if we don't and somebody gets a break, there's going to be – it's going to be shitty calls out there, right? Don't leave it, it to the ref. And it is um... – you're right in that the larger the person finding that crease of the hip, if it's below the knee, like it's behind the quad, it's nestled in there somewhere. There could be like the torso could be thick as hell. So it's, it's nestled in there somewhere. You got to find your angle. To, you you got to look to find it. I wear my belt low. What's that? Sorry. I said, there's a reason I wear my belt low. I want to yeah. introduce a lower hip crease. Right. <laughs> introduce that lower hip crease. I like the way he worded that. But it's true. You have to know what you're looking for, and you have a split second. You yeah. have a split second to do this. So it is, it is difficult. Um, it, it's it's kind of like, uh, in the untested anyways, it's almost like certain, so the, there's so many federations, but it's almost the, the meat now. The competition now gets gets a reputation of, <laughs> like, not necessarily what federation. It is to an extent, like the U. The USPA has got a pretty good reputation, I feel, but it's also certain they meats have, are like they have weaker meats. They've had weaker meats, right? You've right. seen it few and far between, but every like you said, every federation has had those local meats that weren't to the standard everybody thought they should be. But there but there is some competitions that have a reputation where it's like you where did you do your record? And if you tell them, you're like, okay, that sounds that's legit. That's legit. There's some legitimatization of it. And also, it does also lean back on relying on head-to-head competition as opposed to just records alone and records still are records like it still means something to hit a record i'm not the guy yeah, who say so for instance let me put another thing in perspective i cannot squat just the height that some of these guys are squatting this massive weight to and come back up i am so weak at like the that at parallel or above parallel that one inch above like that really gross squat you see in training sometimes i'm yeah. just like what F do they think they're doing right? Yeah. Like, what do they think? Did they are they really proud to post that? And I'm just like, I'm just scroll on. I'm I'm done. <laughs> you know. Right. But what I can see, like incline to the hip from the front. I'm a front guy. I I think you can tell everything from the front, and that's why I like to ju- judge my own. But um, just because I can see teardrop, hamstring, ass, I can see it all from the front. I can know I know where my patella tendon is. You know. But nonetheless, I am so weak at that one inch above parallel, that high squat where somebody's getting real tired and the third rep's really fucking high and they post it anyways. I'm so weak there. So to see, like, some of these strong, strong guys take big weight there and they come back up with it pretty quickly, that's the highest point of sheer biomechanically. If I go ass to grass, I at least have a chance of my knees being balanced from my hands and quads, right? And I get more recoil and more mass in my squat. So I'm strong there. I know I'm strong there. I got to go deep. It's hard to go deep. But I got to because I'm going to miss it if I don't. Right? I know you, I know you mean if I stop short, it is. You feel you, – it feels it feels jarring almost. Like you're like, this isn't um, easier. It's harder yeah. to an extent. Some guys are real good there, though. Real good. Maybe yeah. that's a rap thing, too. But some guys are so phenomenally strong there. <laughs> and I'm just not. I'm not strong. 
how do you feel about how do you feel about wraps and sleeves um that's another thing that you know it, it can i like that there's it, you can look at two different ways i like that there's the option of both um and some people are better you know sleeved or, or wrapped but on the flip side it does further divide an already fairly divided you know pool of talent right yeah well i think it's um it's a just inter interesting discussion i think another one is um the discussion of locked out versus out of a motto right well that's a big one you know i i can get good at both and there's definitely benefits of time and attention for a mono. You should be able to squat more in a mono. Theoretically, going back to wraps and sleeves, I should be able to get a tighter cast wrap on a wrap versus a sleeve. So I should be able to lift more. But why are we dividing? Is one better than the other? I get nothing out of wraps that some of these guys at my caliber get. Like they they are just they're freaks. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. My best wrap squat, I did have a, a poorly executed meet was 959. I did that two years in a row. And the second year I, I got called high. So I had to retake it. I never, I never go up on a retake unless I was probably in a situation where like I had to, to win, I might. Um, so I've never squatted more than 959. My last sleeve meet at a higher body weight, I barely narrowly missed 959. <laughs> you know, I missed it you know, halfway to lockout. You know, I just didn't hit it hard enough. I wasn't aggressive enough and I stalled, you know, so that being said, like, I should be well over a grand in, in, in wraps. And I just, maybe I just haven't practiced enough. I think, um, I think the very cool thing about the meet that we're doing, it's all sleeved, right? You know, I think that's a- The showdown meet. Showdown meet. It yeah. is such a bigger, it is such, it is so much easier to take any average Joe or Jane out of a gym and be like, hey, I squat like that. I put a belt on in sleeves to keep my knees warm too. That's pretty damn cool. Everybody relates to it. Now it's gonna be out of mono, so they might not relate to that. But if it was walked out and in sleeves, everybody that goes to the gym and wants to be stronger, or just wants to be in shape, will relate to it. That could help the sport. I, I agree. I think that's one of the things that hurt initially um, when it was powerlifting for a while, really got into gear. So it's single ply or multiply. But it did nothing but make itself like a circus. Right. Right, it, it, or one of those strength competitions. I forgot what they're called. Maybe you, you, you've heard of them, but where they did the partial lifts for like stupid weight, it, it was like a variation of strongman. Another thing, it just turned into a circus. We're not really displaying strength. We're kind of just like, you know, we're taking a far, so far away from what somebody does to get stronger, that we don't know what we're looking at. Right. That that's it. As a viewer, so for sports need fans to grow, and not only just to grow, but like to bring in other athletes. The reason why we're having such an influx of records going down, like guys emerging like a Larry Wheels or whatever, you can get certain guys that would have gone into a freak athlete, like, you know, Steffi Cohen, Larry Wheels, or on the Tesla side, Russell Orhe, John Hack, or, you know, they could have gone to, into so many different sports. You need to be a fan of a sport and jump into it because you're watching it and be like, I want to get involved. But if it's unrelatable, people have these, super multiplied bench shirts etc and like it's it looks like you can't relate at all to what you're doing in the gym when you're lifting weights strength training for a different sport you're like i'm i don't even want to learn you can learn how to get good in a shirt i but i don't want to i don't uh, i want to get strong but i don't care about the variable of getting better in a shirt or in a yeah. better in when you i think what i'm on page with what you're saying when you deviate further and further away from the purity of just who's stronger it starts becoming more and more niche and we're getting smaller and smaller viewers and talent pool and we yeah. regress. 
Yeah. We regress. I think that's, do, is there a way, so maybe there's something where finding a more universal rule set, you know, for all of, in terms of the, in, in terms of the tested, I know USPA has tested as well, but talent pool wise, it is a lot smaller than USPA. It's a lot smaller, yeah. Whereas the untested, maybe that is like for a little while we had the current where everyone's like, okay, we're all agreeing. This is the big one. So we're going towards this. But the Kern is, I'm not sure where it's at now. Obviously, COVID kiboshed it, but well, it's, they canceled it's, it. And then also, they, there's, there's some competition there, I think, too. Well, before all that, we had rum. Right. While Unity Meet was, I got like the last one before it like just disintegrated. But, you know, before that, that was like the, that's where the strong, raw guys showed up. Yeah. You know, and I, I like it in that it was a, it was a sleeve meet. You know, at the end they had both, but initially it was a sleeve me. That's where I think we need something that is like a, like a meat that has legs and can stay for a while. So it becomes consistently, this is where we're heading towards at the end of the year or whatever, our powerlifting year. Everyone shows up. So it's like a sport. All, all the big names in the men's and women's are going to go head to head. So as a fan, we see it. The rules are consistent, and the rules hopefully are something along the lines of less and less variables and more and more on strength, which is usually the best way to do it. Although, like you said, the monolift, you take one breath for guys, like in terms of guys and girls staying tight. You take one breath, you rock and roll. That walkout is a bit of a doozy. It's one of those things that it, it always was initially, so now it's a part of powerlifting. But in terms of if you want big squats – yeah, you got to rebreathe twice. You got to, it's, yeah. it's different. It, it, when you got a, close to a thousand pounds on your back, walking with a thousand pounds becomes a whole other, that's a, a mini yoke event almost, right? right. And then rebreathing with a thousand, how do you rebreathe with a thousand pounds on your back? It's very, very difficult to, you know, you, you're not going to, it's not the same as the first breath. It's not the same tightness as the first breath. So there's variables to consider when we're looking for a unified rules. Yeah. We're, so do you see that happening? Do you think this is going to happen? We're going to have a competition that <laughs> brings everybody on board? I think there's potential for it. I, I don't know that I see it happening, per se, because it, it sounds like it, it would almost need to have some kind of cooperation be between some of these players that want to make the biggest show, right? Yeah. I mean, you almost have to say, like, you. I, USAPL would never do it, so... USA, I mean, think about it. If you had like the Kern, so Gracie V, if you had Boss of Bosses, so Dan Green, if you had the Showdown Meet, which I can't remember his name right now for the life of me, uh, and, and you had um, the Pioneer Meet. So those are the four big meets right now, right? Yeah, agreed. For money, for purse, purse size and sponsor wise. Those are the four big meets. If we had some way to either get these groups to work together with the help of like a USAPL kind of or IPF, kind of influence and had an untested meat, which goes against every kind of core bone cell in their body of that organization, you know, then maybe something could happen, right? I mean, that would make up one big meat. And then you, you would get every head-to-head -head competition, you know, possibility that you'd want for the sport. You almost need, like, at the very least, an amalgamation of let's all just get under the same rules, rule set and umbrella so we're all on the same page here. Are we going 
let, are we doing mono, not mono, wrapped, sleeved? I get you can offer both, but let's, what if we just said, like offering both is starting to split the talent pool and we're now not having the showdown. Yeah, it won't seem like a United Nations of powerlifting to kind of oh. discuss these federations. There it is, my friend. We need United Nations of powerlifting. Be like, let's just get the four big competitions. Let's just sit down and let's bang this out. You know, and we're going to come to a vote. Like the United Nations were voting on it. So if someone's against like, but I really like wraps. If everyone else is like, we're going sleeves. I would like to offer sleeves and wraps. No, because you're, you're splitting the talent pool and there's just not enough of us. You know, it's one of those deals where it's like, we have to have one. There's just not enough of us. We can't split it up. We need to all show up. So you almost say like, this is what it's going to be. Now, everyone's going to, in terms of the one competition at the end of the year, everyone's going to want to have that one. It would, even if we could just agree on the rule set being mono, not mono, wrapped, not wrapped, et cetera. And in yeah. terms of squat depth, in terms of squat depth, that would be a massive leap forward. And then you sort of, I guess, whoever has the most money, et cetera, will start becoming the number one competition. That's the big one where a lot of people are going to be like, well, I want to be my competition's the big one, right? So it'll, that's going to be a tough one. Unless you start doing like the IPF in terms of you big every year and it rotates. So look, we could all, in, in terms of a period of time, we're all going to have our kick at the can of it. Well, even if they picked a quarter. Or pick a quarter. But it, would the lifters then start cherry picking which one they go to in the they year will. and avoid each they other? They already are. We already, we've already seen it, right? Right. No. Um, yeah, so it'd be hard to pick. Rotate would be or vote would, or, or bid on it would be, would be big. I think just getting the rules and the lifts down would be pretty cool too. Yeah, I think that would be basically it. Now, look, I do like what the showdown's doing. The showdown, and they're getting ravaged by COVID. You're still on the roster, and you're still going to compete, right? Yeah, I am. Okay, because um, showdown was attempting to do kind of what we're saying is, let's try to get everybody in the same place and actually have showdowns. That's why it's called the showdown meet, where it's like not just records, not just let's try to get some head-to-heads here, and then obviously we'll have a formula for overall, et cetera, and um and yeah, this, the formula I, is gonna be crazy. I think the top ten could be at least when I first looked at it, the top ten could be all six hundred wills. Which is nuts. Uh, I'm out of reach of six hundred wills, I'm pretty sure. So at least this year. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy, yeah. And you got some big names going on. What is your expectation of the showdown meet in terms of have have you looked at the rest of the field and your expectation for yourself as well? Yeah, I, I think for a couple guys to mess up and for me to have my best day, I might be able to place. But I need three guys to to really catastrophically have bad days. Mm. I think John Hack should win it. He's going to be a tough one to beat, is he not? <laughs> I don't see how I can be beat. Unless, what about Yuri? So this is this is again where we have to agree on rule sets. Yuri Belkin, but Yuri is is historically speaking much better in raps. John is historically speaking. I mean, he not only is he not as good in raps, he gets injured. He's like Yuri's I can't. Roster, is he? What's that? Sorry. Yuri's not on the roster. No, no, not for the showdown. I just mean in terms oh, okay. of um, yeah, no, no, he's not. Sorry, I, I should, I should. <laughs> yeah, I switch gears without telling you. I'm switching gears here. But in terms of show, in terms of anybody beating him, uh, not just the showdown meet, but period, it would be Yuri. But yeah. this, this is where this we we run into the exact same scenario we just said where 
one guy can't do wraps. John's like, look, it, I've tried it. I get injured. The tightness, it's great, but I start, I start getting injuries in, in the muscle. And it's not just John. Other guys have come forward, raised their hand, and said, if I put wraps on, my risk of injury is far greater. I mean, Brendan Allen's talked about it. I believe Kevin Oak has said, like, you know, there's, there's risk of injury with wraps because you get so phenomenally tight. And then bending your leg when you're doing something purposely to make you not be able to bend it, while under extreme heavy load, it is not. It's like doing, you're trying to achieve the opposite while doing something that's opposing that goal with the wraps. Yeah, sometimes funky things happen. Whereas Yuri is like, look, I could smash incredible numbers if you put a knee wrap on me. The showdown between John and Yuri would be phenomenal. I don't know if we could even agree on the rules set to make it happen. So here yeah. we go. Here we go all over again. Yeah, I, I think... I, I don't know. I think I think that'd be a crazy matchup for sure. I'm I'm not sure. I think I think Yuri would edge him out. Without wraps? Without with it because there's a yeah. big discrepancy in his wrap Yuri and sleep. In wraps. Right. Right. So he just got a squat eight oh four. Bench his usual five five forty ish and then pull his nine sixty. Yeah. Mova. It depends on what we see from John at the showdown meet, I guess. Yeah, he's bigger. He's going in heavier, right? So He is a, a bigger, a noticeably I, I bigger guy. He shuts it down pretty soon, so he stops hitting PRs. <laughs> well, because it, we're still a little ways out, and he's hitting PRs unless he can maintain that momentum. I know what you mean where you're hoping. It's one of those deals where you're yeah, watching and you're like. 36 or something. It, it's what You're thinking, are you peaking in the gym, my friend? Or – are you just on the day well, up? No, they, all look, they all look pretty solid. Yeah, he, I just hope he, I just hope he uh, gets gets everything. I just want to see it. You know, I just want to see him put down that high wheels. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of in the competition day of, he should be okay. Like he doesn't have some. He, Yuri's not there, like you said. Yeah. So and, and it's look. I would rather see, in terms of excitement, if John's going for a record, that's fun. But if Yuri's there and they're in the same class, unwrapped or whatever, it's like, holy smokes. Seriously, man, I'm watching this like it's a UFC fight. Well, we still have Kayla, right? Kayla, who knows what Kayla's going to bring? Jamal's not there. I'm not sure, Kayla. I'm not sure. Um, so Garrett was on here, and Garrett was saying that nothing official has been said, but he's not sure, Kayla. I should, I'm going to shoot Kayla a message and find out. Because yeah. I'm not sure if Kayla is. Man, I got a bad bug with Kayla. He beat me one time. <laughs> he's so strong now. I'm just kidding. Kayla's a great guy. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's so. phenomenally strong. Yeah. Also, I'm excited to see what Dan Bell's going to bring to the table on that day. Yeah, me too. Me too. Dan's he's, he's on fire right now. He's, he's got the record in and out of wraps. Uh, so, however somebody wants to do a showdown, he's good, which is nice. Uh, like, it's still a very solid meet, whether or not Keeler's in there and some of these people are, are pulled out. Um, but I had, like, I'm not sure how the roster's going to be. Travel and certain things are now, times are, times are crazy, man. This is the worst time to try to have a big showdown meet. So that's why I appreciate, I talked to the meet director and he was saying, man, the obstacles, I'm going to have him on the podcast. He's like, the obstacles I've faced trying to put this thing together. It is so stressful. I'm, he's like, I'm losing so much sleep just trying to hold this thing together. I'm like, I can only imagine, man. I can only imagine what it must be like. And it's necessary. Yeah, he, he, uh, he, he's lost a lot of people on the roster, right, from the move. Yes. And COVID. The move, I, I, just hope it, I still hope it comes through, you know. And while it's big for the sport, look, and I'm telling you, as king of lists, we don't have very many competitions to do preview shows and recap shows of. 
and it's still sport, you know, damn it. Yeah. Like I could, I could repost people and have people on and talk about their history and whatnot and talk about training numbers, but it's a whole lot different when you have a competition coming up and we could talk about a competition coming up than if there's Absolutely. nothing and we're yeah. just watching people train and we don't know what they're training for. It's, it's a whole different, what are you hoping for yourself for the showdown competition? What are you hoping to hit? Uh, I want to improve my, my record. So that's anything above 922. You know, I haven't made 308s in a while, so I need, I got to make weight first. I would love to I would love to hit five on the bench because I'm coming off a two-year peck tear. And, and in terms of the overall, what are you hoping for your overall numbers? Do you have I've numbers? Never, I've never went 2,200. So that's going to be the goal. Gotcha. I and what is that in, in communist units? In communist units. That's 1,000 kilograms. The, oh, and that's, that's the 1,000 kilo club, my friend. Yeah. So hopefully, and where do you think that'll set you in the overall? Oh, like against really the other three oh eight? I don't think that gets me for Wilkes. It won't get me in top ten. Okay. Not unless there's some people mess up. And do, do you like Wilkes? You got to have a coefficient. Well, I'm the big fish in the small pond. I like it just fine. Yeah. Here we are. Everybody's there. You know, I, I'm not going to compete with three three times, and I'll never squat three. Or I've squatted three. I'll never pull or squat four times, body yeah. weight, right? I, I'm just not going to touch that. So that shit, I'm impressed by that. It's fucking awesome, right? You know, be 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 thinner, have less body fat. That's you know, that's what I hear. You know, those guys are freaks. More yeah. more power too. Fair enough. Fair enough. If it, I could, if I could, I would. Trust me, I wouldn't fucking feel bad about anybody. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Hey, what are you thinking of? Do you have any? What are your goals beyond uh, the showdown? Do you have anything else on the calendar? Or you just focus on the showdown right now. I really don't have anything else on the calendar. I, I I'm, I'm under a fresh move, new wife, new city, new job. So I have all that going on right now too. I just moved across the country from Chicago to New Jersey. You know, so I'm doing all that stuff too. After that, you know, we're going to try and launch. We have a couple of business ideas that we're going to try and get up, get up and running. And we'll probably be focusing on that more. So 38 was originally my cutoff. We're like, I'm not, I don't know how much harder I want to push up to 38. I, I guess I'm just going to go off a of feel and see how it goes. Um, and uh, maybe we'll push that to 40 or maybe we won't have put it, you know, not put an age on it at all would be probably a good idea at some point too. But, you so know, coaching, gym, stuff like that. So this is your last dance. If we're using the Michael Jordan Netflix documentary you feel like you're entering into the last dance last run i don't know about that uh because i haven't competed much you know the last couple of years you know really if i can stay healthy i'd, I'd love to improve my bench even with my, my torn pec i think it's um you know just something that i i'd love to do you know my best bench is 534 i'm not far from that you know if i get up to five again so um i've done a bicep and a pec you know i i'd rather not have anything major you know guys like nick best I've competed with him a couple times. He's he's an awesome guy, and he's 50. You know, Stan Everton, he still pushes it hard. He, I don't think he's really competing now, but he's, he's got other, other things going on, right? But he looks phenomenal, and he still squats heavy. You know, the guys like that, you know, I think uh, it really is up to the individual. So, do, do you find if you stop competing, are you walking away from the sport, or are you going to stay in the sport on some level, whether coaching or, or something like that? What, oh, I'll stay you... in the sport at some level. Uh, or if, if not, you know, uh, the sport, I think I would love to get into uh, integrating the sport into more of a, a, you know, athletic or sports approach versus just straight, oh, that's like the end all be all, you know, really just introducing powerlifting into 
more more or less use lives so they can benefit in their own sport. Right, like strength and conditioning and bringing what we know in powerlifting. Because honestly, I'm telling you, three could add a lot to any athlete. Like you said earlier, man, it's never a negative to be strong. And I'm in terms of talking to some of these other coaches, like I, I was blown away how little and these are like up to the in terms of hockey up to the very top end didn't understand rpe like the rate of you know the perception of effort um so they could redline it in some of the training and then have total terrible games later on that week and it's like we i skate them until they puke i'm sure mentally you think you're making them tougher but their nervous system is fried so two days later, they're not going to be back to 100%. You know, that's not how it works. Even no. like uh, powerlifters, I, I get it. We have this meathead stigma attached to us, but we aren't actually like that. We, our understanding of even just taking it from our sport and applying it to other sports, being like, let me take a look at your programming because it looks like you might be overtraining. And I know this is like a sin to say, but if you decrease intensity, up volume, you can still train five days a week and be okay. but you can't redline it like this. Like, no, it is applicable. You know, it is, it is applicable. What we've learned in powerlifting. It is. You, know, you, and, you cannot perform at the highest level fatigued in any way. All, all, all the, yeah. I read about you saying Bolton, he talked about that when they were like, um, you know, I forget what nation he was in where they wanted him to show up and like, you're going to show up at this competition, that competition, like you, we, you're so big. It, it brings so much to the sport. And he's like, listen, I would love to show up to everybody's competition that they're hosting. And I get it. Uh, you know, I feel a lot of pressure to do so, but he's like, I can't stay peaked and do that. And I'm not going to show up and get my ass kicked by, by a guy who was ranked fifth. Um, and cause that's the next, and they're like, but you're Usain Bolt. He's like, I'm going to break news to you. I don't always run sub 10 seconds every time out. I can't maintain that. I'm a human being. It's not, I just show up and I win. And that's where some people don't get it. Same with strength where it's like, yes, you know, Rob is probably, he squats this, that, and the other, but not all year round constantly is he going to show up and be able to do that. You got to pick and choose. That's not how things go. Right. It's not real life. Right. Um, I appreciate your time. Listen, uh, like we're closing in on, like we're over two hours now. Yeah, you're, you're good. I sure appreciate it, man. Okay, yeah. I, it's, it's huge. I love having the people on and hearing their background and everything. Um, but before we do let you go, a couple things. So first off, one question that I always ask everybody when they come on the show. When all is said and done, and you're an old man looking back, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, not by just the sport of powerlifting, that's for sure. Oh wow! There you go. So yeah. this a legacy beyond beyond any sport would be important to me. So something to do with family, I imagine. So this is more French. You're not even overly worried about legacy in terms of powerlifting. It's this is more no. just yeah. Yeah, the sport, the the work, the career, um, the bank. None of that makes the man to me, right? And so what do you think it would be? It would be more legacy in terms of imparted on on family on on your son and etc like that important to see um, my son's son you know a diff- another generation following in footsteps or you know at least being successful in what they choose to mm-hmm. you, know? you know having a healthy he- healthy family core and yeah. uh dying dying happy next to somebody that i care about that cares about me there it is man that's probably the most healthy way of doing it then looking for validation outside 
just yeah. being like, hey, hey listen. I used to get like, even my friends, I used to get busted on, oh, that's for the gram, that's for the gram. I was like, this gram started, it literally started just just as a training log. <laughs> it's all it ever was. And it still kind of is. I, I, I haven't really, you know, branched out to really make it a product yet. I would love to and, and spend more focused time on it, but it was always just my training. <laughs> you know, I just posted training, my training videos. It was almost like my diary of training. You know, but you're getting how, close to without without um, you know a, a marketing plan, so to speak, with it. You're getting close to 100,000 followers now. Like, is that wild to think that you're like, holy smokes, man! I am not even putting too much thought into this. Like, some people are literally approaching this with like a calculation and checking out the stats and that you know those type of posts aren't reaping a lot of traction. So I'm going to change where you're like, I'm just posting. It is what it is, and have accumulated what you've accumulated. Is that kind of wild for you to think about? It, it is. It all started with uh, like a couple shares, you know, that just went viral. But I've been over 100,000 before and lost a bunch for being too passionate in some of my views on things. So like oh, I wow. was actually just over 100, um, like 102, 103, and, and lost all that from just being too opinionated. So like on on regular life or on powerlifting? Both, uh, regular life uh, and, um, yeah, regular life. We'll say not, not powerlifting related at all. And do you think, and how, what do you, how do you feel about that? Do you think like, because it, here's the thing, it's hard to articulate in a freaking Instagram. That's where it gets tough where like some of it's so nuanced if you get into real life stuff where it's like I, it's getting lost in a shuffle and I could be represented in a way that's not, people take like a one minute or, or a phrase. So they take a snapshot of an instance that's not even a second and try and frame your whole inner working around that one picture or right. one post, right? Right. Which is very, very ignorant and naive to do. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, how do I feel about it? You know, I literally had made some posts to really just kind of shake the, the, the tree to make sure that if you weren't part of my, my tribe, you weren't there. <laughs> and from a business standpoint, that's like the opposite of what you want to do. You want everybody there, right? So right. Um, that being said, uh, you know, it, it was a learning experience. I, I can admit wrongful doing. I don't need to share all my opinions about everything. If my friends want to know, that's fine. You know, if my close family members want to know, that's fine. You know, if everybody else wants to not know my opinions on stuff, that's their right, and I don't need to share it. We'll keep it training and powerlifting. It is. It is tough because even then, like explaining, like like social media in general is just snapshots or or small takeaways but there's no dialogue. Like if you were to get into some views you had on the greater world sense, you could go back and forth with dialogue and they'll, they, the person could have follow-up questions and be like, okay, got you. Whereas there isn't that, or if it's texted in the comment section, it's not gonna be, even, even a straight up normal day-to-day -day dialogue when you're texting your friend isn't the same as a full-on conversation. Yeah, they're just gonna and, roast, they're just gonna it, roast tear apart <laughs> right and it's not going to be the same and you start realizing sometimes you're like am i talking to someone who lacks the ability to understand perspective to like the older you get sometimes the more you realize percent of the time that's going to be true so then you're wasting your time right and it becomes right. wasting energy time thoughts oxygen vocal cords all that's waste <laughs> and so then it starts becoming um not like okay i'm not doing I'm not going to change my social media just to gain more followers, but I'm 
just not going to go there because it's a waste of time where people yeah. might be like, Rob, you're not getting political anymore or whatever it might be. And you could be like, yeah, it's not because I'm, I'm worried about followers, et cetera. It's because I don't think I'm going to be able to have this dialogue here. This just isn't the dialogue. It's just exactly. not going to happen. It's, it's a not going to happen on a level that would be rewarding or beneficial. <laughs> right. And here's another thing that some people may not understand too is um, it is actually important. Like when I'm in my day to day, and I, I'm like kind of like you where I'm not trying to get too over politicized too many things now. Um, in my day to day, when I see people on social media that have different points of view of myself, like right down to the core where it's completely different views. I don't like, I'm not, I'm not talking too to the side where like, the guy's a fucking Nazi. I'm not talking that. But what I'm saying, okay, let's, let's, I don't want to exaggerate the situation. Yeah. But I understand I need, there's a famous quote, and I don't want to butcher, where the guy says, you are lost if you begin to surround yourself and put more into surrounding yourself with people with the same views that do nothing but re reinforce what you already think than honestly putting value in those with opposing views that force you to reevaluate what you think. So even though you're like, I don't agree with where this person's coming from, but if I force myself to see it, read it, and think about it for a minute, or if someone checks me, I'm okay with being checked, and I gotta reevaluate. And even if it brings me a little bit closer to the center, just a little bit, where I have to think about, you know, there is other views out there, and I'm, holy shit, I'm not always right. Yeah. You know, it's okay. And I, I can, it's actually, that's actually intellectually stimulating and understanding I need the opposition. There's the reason why governments that are democratic have opposition parties because we have to work it out as opposed to, I'm gonna isolate myself and start name calling and getting too tough on people. Like if people got like that with you where it's like, listen, man, we have, it's okay. You know, don't, don't get too, you know, I think that gets lost also on social media. So it becomes cancel culture where it's like, no, I'm going to cancel you. Shut up, you know, yeah. shut it down, wherever it's like, well, you know, as long as we're not talking to. It's, it's kind of funny now. The, the one post, the most recent one, the worst post I'll even mention because it's so funny now. Uh, but I had shared the strongman guy that I was following and made a post and he put fake pandemic in it. And all mm. I did was screenshot it and share it because it, the majority of the posts related to what I was talking about. And I didn't really feel like COVID's not fake. I wasn't saying COVID is. I was really kind of poking fun at politicizing COVID, right? Mm. And not yeah. agreeing with that. Oh my God, you, you, the amount of interaction and hatred I got for that post was unbelievable. And this was early. This was like in March or in before May, probably March, April. And now we're seeing like what's really kind of taking place throughout the world with cases versus deaths and like the real data and the fake data and all that stuff. And it more seems like it's clickbait or it's been a lot of clickbait out there, you know? So it's kind of funny how just things go, but. Well, I it is. Into it too much. Yeah, no, I'm not looking to get into it either. Um, no, I'm on page with that. I ain't looking to get into it either. But um, I, I know what you mean where it's like, uh, Things get politicized if you wear a mask. Oh, now you're right wing. If you don't wear a mask, or no, no, you're left wing. If you wear a mask, you're not. Like it becomes like, holy shit, I'm not trying to do that though. I'm not trying to. Or um, if you ask questions, 
well, that means you're this, that means you're that, that means you're against us. Or if you don't ask questions, well, that means you're this, that means you're, it's like, holy smokes, but I'm not trying to like, uh, you know, I know what you mean where it's such a, I don't know what's proper now. I just, you're not allowed to ask questions or else you're insinuating things. You're like, holy smokes, man, I, I don't know how to, I'm not trying to do what people are saying I'm trying to do. So I know what you mean where you're like, I'm just gonna talk to people in my inner circle and I'm, you know, I'm staying off that. Yeah, um, yeah. I know you be mid. It's strange times. It is. Uh, it's unique. It's scary times. It really. Scary is. times all around. Um, yeah. yeah, man. We kind of went off into a whole different. When I asked you how you want to be remembered, but it is what it is, man. That's what I like. I, the I, want a legacy, but I really, I, I, to me, it's not. It's not going to be. If it is powerlifting, great. I don't see it being that. To me, it's you know. The kind of man I I am, and the kind of man that I created, my son and his his sons. Mm -hmm. And and for anybody, so do you offer powerlifting coaching as well? I do, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I, How I, how do people I, get a hold? More like a handful, like ten to twenty clients, but I'll be looking to branch that out here pretty soon. What were you gonna say? Uh, how do people get a hold of you if they want some powerlifting? I have a website quadslikerob.com. Instagram works very well, which is also quadslikerob. You know, you can hit me up at either either place. Uh, works just fine. Perfect. And before we let you go, my friend, and thank you for coming on and giving us this much time. Um, I mean, this is a good conversation we had. Who would you like to thank? Oh, yeah. My, my, my wife, Jennifer, um, you know, my family. I, I you know, I, I had a unique childhood, but my, my dad's still around. My mom's passed. I got, I got great siblings, my brothers and my sister. I have two brothers, Rudy, Bill, and my, my sister, Trisha. My dad's Bill. They're all they're all phenomenal. They're full call away. We're not we don't live near each other, but they're they're phenomenal people. You know, they mean the world to me. So there it is, my friend. Listen, good luck with training. Stay healthy. Good luck in the showdown. We're all gonna be watching. And right. uh let's keep in touch, man. We'll do it again. All right, let's do it. Thank you, sir. Talk to you, buddy. Later.